In a world filled with sharks, bears, and killer bees, one man is brave enough to stay indoors to bring you the latest in gaming, movie, and pop culture news. That man is Tom Awesome, and this is the Outside is Overrated podcast. Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated, a podcast about gaming and nerd pop culture. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Tom Sidlachik, and tonight we are going to discuss video game movies from the 2000s. We watched Resident Evil, Tomb Raider, House of the Dead, Doom, and Max Payne, and we're going to roll these films into our annual rankings for video game movies. Joining me for the discussion today are the Hobby Box, Joe Burns, Hey-o. and Dr. 90 Cinema, Casey Aline. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show, guys. Casey, you haven't been on the main show since the Firefly episode. What have you been doing besides loving every moment of your Souls-like journey in Lies of P? Oh, I, I don't know, repeatedly punching myself in the nuts, which is what <laughs> <laughs> it feels like when I play Souls-like games. And like We've uh, talked about your big, strong hands before. Like That must really be uncomfortable. Yeah, but you must wield your nuts very differently like you do a controller, right? I, yes. <laughs> multiple fingers grasping all different types of things. Now, um, you know... I, it hasn't been all like super exciting, just all the same old usual stuff, which is working and doing a lot of sports things with my children. So, um, but yeah, other than that, just yeah, dad life games you, and watching movies. And you shot a deer with a bow and arrow for the first time in your life at the age of like 47 or however the frick old you are. I did, yeah. Um, so it's kind of funny, like, I bought a bow for my oldest son for Christmas last year. Uh, he's been in archery since seventh grade, actually, maybe even before that. But anyway, so I bought him the bow. How and... does he do archery without a bow? Or is, was this an upgraded bow? Oh, no, this is, yeah. So, like, for, for school, they have specific bows that they have to use. So this was a different bow. Um, they still use it. It's, it's a compound bow for school, but it's it's not one that you could use for hunting. Like, the poundage is not enough and you can't put a sight on it you actually like can't use releases that sort of thing so it's very specific what you have to use and this was a bow designed specifically for hunting so i bought it for him and it turns out much like you bought the, like the xbox for him too right <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes and it turns out that even at the lowest bow setting which i know it goes lower than it is but the guy at the the shop that i brought it into uh said that like 52 pounds was the lowest that he could he was willing to bring it down and Caden like could not pull this thing back to save his life (laughs) so um I'm hoping that you know now that he's been I don't know now that he's getting his his big boy testosterone going and and in in the weight room and you know getting some muscles he'll be able to actually use it next year so but Thankfully, I could pull it back and decided in the meantime, that you can't just have it sitting it. around. Yes, exactly. So, you know, I practiced with it quite a bit and, and got it all set up real nice. And I hunted twice. And on the second time that I hunted, I ended up getting a, a four point buck, which is pretty awesome. See, it, w- it would be a more awesome story if you're like, uh, I just saw it and was like, I'll go out, I'll get a tag. I never <laughs> practiced with it. And then, yeah, second time out, just killed one, you know. Uh, it, it takes. A, a lot well not surprisingly i knew it was going to be a commitment but like uh-huh. the amount of time that you have to kind of dedicate beforehand to you know make sure that the bow is, is shooting accurately and if it's not then 
like figuring out what's wrong and why is it not shooting accurately and then moving pin sights and getting everything dialed in and then making sure that the arrows that you have are perfectly straight because you can't use the same arrows that you use for hunting that you use for target practice and then you have to make sure that the broadheads that you use for hunting are the same weight as the field points that you use for target practice and then you have to shoot the broadheads into very specific targets to make sure that they're flying straight beforehand or they may not and so there's like there's just all this little piddly crap that uh-huh. you don't realize going into it that you have to do and then yeah, then it's all just like sitting in a tree and hoping to God that a deer comes close enough that you can actually shoot at it with all the time and effort that you put into making sure that you can put yourself in that situation to begin with. So, Tom, are you glad that you took all of that middle workout <laughs> and just went with a gun and sat in a tree hoping a deer walked by? Yeah, I didn't see a single deer during hunting, but I did have a rough grouse literally like come sit in the stand with me. Like it buzzed me once. It perched on the front of my stand. And, like I struck it with the barrel of my gun to get it the frick out of my field of vision. I'm like, am I going to have to shoot this rough grouse with an assault rifle? Like that doesn't seem natural. But uh, over time, Rhonda Grousey and I became very close. <laughs> we exchanged uh, recipes. She ate a lot of acorns. And, uh, yeah, just we have a tame grouse running around our hunting land. It's very, very strange. Just a little bit of rough grousing, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's how Rhonda Grousey likes it. Burns, the last three shows you did all involved video games. How was your month off? Did you work your way through the entire FromSoft catalog in that time or what? No, I mean, if I would have had my druthers, as they say, um, you know, I would have completely avoided any games like that. But Casey had to saddle me with that burden. So thank you very much, Casey. Um, otherwise, I've been dabbling with a bunch of games that I've been meaning to get into for a while. So I played a bit of uh, Diablo 4, um, Baldur's Gate 3. Uh, I went back to a little game called WoW and uh, have played a little bit of WoW Classic. Why? Why did you purchase a subscription to WoW to play WoW Classic? So they're... Ever since they came out with Classic, they've been doing... They've been messing around with some things with it to try to see what they can do to make people... I guess enjoy experience it. it in different ways. Um, and so other than you know releasing the patches or the uh, expansions that have come to it. So burning crusade and wrath of the Lich King, and they're coming out with cataclysm. Um, they decided they're going to do a, they, they started doing like seasons within it, uh, similar to like what they do with Diablo four. Um, and this next season that they're doing, it basically changes kind of how the game works is as you go through the game you'll find these different runes and these runes when you equip them are going to basically do things that would be considered like game breaking so it's going to allow you to turn a like warlock into a tank um or make a mage a full healer which is something that mages couldn't do before um but it's like all discovery. So you, you wander around and you have to find out where you get these different runes. And so that sounded interesting to me. And I've, I've been passing around the idea of trying to jump back into wow, just to like see what it was like and uh, see if I, how much I remember how much I don't. And so, yeah, I have like a level 10, 11 troll hunter. Yeah. Collecting those Zerva hooves, homie. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting game, especially playing classic. Uh, it, yeah, it's the game that I remember it 
being for better or for worse, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, otherwise then, um, messing around with Honkai Star Rail, which I talked about on, uh, um, unfiltered, uh, last month. And then I watched recently a pretty awesome YouTube documentary series about the history of the Minnesota Vikings. And you shared um, this in the Discord channel, yes. but what drew you to this uh, documentary? So a friend had seen it uh, and recommended it to uh, a few of us, and then another friend had watched it and said it was actually like surprisingly good. And uh, so what it does is it takes like a stat-based look at it, and it's from people that aren't like Vikings fans. And they've actually done this. They, they did this once before. Um, with like the Atlanta Falcons uh, is one team that they kind of did. And they basically start with the beginning of the franchise. And then each episode is a decade. The first two episodes, like the first episode is the first half of the 60s and then the second half of the 60s. But after that, it's like decade by decade. Uh, and it's just, it's really fascinating. And, and they sort of lay the groundwork early on, kind of like what stats they're looking at. And it's pretty fascinating that the Vikings for for not having a Super Bowl victory and really not participating in the Super Bowl since the 60s or early 70s um, are like one of the winningest teams in NFL history. They're the only team in NFL history that has not had three consecutive losing seasons ever. Um, and so it's, it's just a fascinating way to look through it. And then they, they kind of look at the stats and how that tells the story of what's happening. Uh, and then we'll pull significant or interesting like snippets either from games or from what people have said in either books or like on TV about stuff. And it's just it's really fascinating. So I would highly recommend it if you're a Vikings fan for sure. Or even if you're just a football fan in general, I think it's a really cool look at um, just just the idea of what football means and like how a how a franchise is different as it develops, but still kind of somehow maintains an identity throughout all that, even though the coaches change, the owners change, you know, really the only thing that doesn't change is the fan base and the team identity. A lot of times somehow stays the same, which is kind of interesting to me. That's wild. Do you remember what it's called? Yeah. So it's just the history of the Minnesota Vikings and it's from, um, the, the, the name of the like sort of series that they do is called Dorktown. Uh, but it's from the, uh, YouTube, uh, channel secret base. Uh, basically it's a bunch of, uh, SB nation guys that have kind of are focused a little bit more on stats and they do a lot of stat breakdowns. And so they have a lot of things on like NBA stuff and, um, to and, and so it's and some baseball things and there's a few of these there's a few things that they've honed in on to make these a little bit longer episode a multi-episode uh series out of and so yeah i'd highly recommend it to anybody yeah sounds interesting as our fans can tell both casey and joey love the souls games and everything in their uh ilk we've been we've just had a ball breaking down liza p in our game pass forever segment check it out on your oio podcast feed before we jump into the main show, we want to thank our sponsor, Premier Health. Check out their website at premierhealthmn.com. That's premierhealthmn.com. You can also follow us all on social. Email the show at overratedbod at gmail.com. Follow Burns at hobbyboxburns on X and twitch.tv slash hobbyboxburns. Don't forget to get those free Prime subs turned on. <laughs> Follow Casey at Dr. Underscore Casey on X and follow me at ThompsonLogicOIO. You can also follow the show at Facebook.com slash Outside is Overrated. 
If you enjoy this content, please support the show at patreon.com slash OIOM. Your support goes towards media, equipment, and other expenses. For your support, you get to vote on the Game Pass games we play, and you get an invitation to our annual summer Patreon bash. Please sign up at patreon.com slash OIOM. Contributions start at just $2. Two whole dollars? That's a steal. It's a bargain at 52 times the price. (laughs) (laughs) So just put that credit card in and don't think about it. Back to video game movies. This has become an annual show for us. We've done 80s video games, movies, 90s video game movies, and now in the 2000s, we uh, we had to be a little bit more selective. There's something like 20 video game movies that released just in this decade. Our previous two shows covered, I think, 12 movies. 14? I can't remember, and it's too much work to go back to the last page. I think there's either 12 or 14 video game movies released in the two decades prior. Now in the 2000s, we curated a list of five movies. We each chose one that we kind of championed, and then we took two that were very iconic that spawned sequels that we thought we should talk about as a starting point. And that's where our discussion starts with Tomb Raider from 2001. It's nine is the ones that we've covered, and I think I think we did watch like all of the video game or video game related movies. There's a couple maybe like The Wizard in the 80s could is is kind of a video game movie too that we haven't covered so there's a couple that we could maybe jump back to that are adjacent um but that is most of them but then yeah 2000s there's so many yeah we're never going back (laughs) never (laughs) never going back to the 2000s or never going back to pre-2000s we'll see what our appetite for 2000s video game movies is in tom awesome's top five But we start with Tomb Raider, released in 2001, written by Sarah B. Cooper, who has 20 writing credits. This was one of two movies that Sarah did. It was this and Milton's Secret. What is this secret? Don't know. I missed that smash success. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though. She's done a bunch of TV. She did three episodes of Star Trek Next Gen, two episodes Ooh. of The X-Files, and eight episodes of Chicago Hope, Casey's favorite show. <laughs> Co-writers were Mike Werb with 15 writing credits, mostly TV. He did Face Off and the screenplay for The Mask. Okay. And Michael Colleary with 10 writing credits, including Face Off. It was directed by Simon West. And this is something that I think is going to be interesting in this show specifically. Most of the video game movies that we've done previously was inexperienced directors, either doing their first film or one of very few movies that they did. Uh, Simon West doesn't exactly buck that trend. This was his third film. He started with music videos, including Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. It's too perfect. <laughs> it is too perfect. <laughs> and the iconic commercial Budweiser, Frogs and Trucks, which I believe was the Bud. Wise. I mean, I didn't go to YouTube to actually verify, but... It sounds like it. Yeah, it, it sounds right enough. His first two films were Con Air and The General's Daughter in 97 and 99. Like, Con Air was a big movie. I don't oh, remember yeah. if it was good or critically acclaimed. It's a classic, yeah. I've never seen it. Surprise. Surprise. I, see, I don't think I've seen I, I think I've seen it. I don't remember a lot of it. But yeah. You'll, you'll be shocked. I've watched, I've seen it like probably four or five, six. That sounds times, about right. Like that. Have you seen that more than Face Off? Uh Face Off I think I've only seen twice. Okay. Face Off is awesome. Because Face Off was always on HBO, so I, I've seen that one like dozens of times. And it was awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to take face his face off. <laughs> face off. <laughs> 
Uh, director Simon West now has 26 directing credits, highlighted by Expendables 2, which Ooh. was a pretty big name, big, big budget film with a big cast. Uh, the film stars Angelina Jolie as Laura Croft. S- only 62 acting credits? Like, that has to be a typo. Uh, John Voight as Lord Richard Croft. He has 99 acting credits, led by Varsity Blues. <laughs> Was he really? I mean, he's like barely in the movie. He's the coach. He's the most important figure in that movie. But he's like just, he's only in like, he's only in like uh, memories. I just think Varsity no, Blues is evidently his most famous movie that he's like yeah. known for yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. come on there's gotta be other stuff you know, that his car made famous in Seinfeld right <laughs> yeah John Foyt's car also starring Sir Jorah Mormont Ian Glenn as Manfred Powell 96 acting credits yeah well and it's like so instead of simping for Daenerys Targaryen now he's uh you know squaring off against Laura Croft They're yeah like frenemies kind of right Sort That's of, not, I or don't, maybe, maybe it's a pretty soft front in that. I guess. But maybe. why did you leave out? And I added this in. Why did you leave out Daniel Craig? Like he's well, is he chopped liver? Two reasons. Uh, one because I thought it was funny, and two <laughs> that was the primary one. And two because he wasn't on the IMDb list of like the featured, the top ones. Yeah, the top actors. So uh, yeah, Daniel Craig sucks. Laura Croft. <laughs> Tom just doesn't know How film. Dare you? This is just that just is sort of that that just puts it over the top. That Tom knows nothing what he's talking about when it comes to films. Like Daniel Craig is the reason that I know nothing about films. Daniel Craig, like yeah, he you was Bond. He okay, you yeah. said he sucks. That's that's a that's a that's a terrible take. Yeah, well, you both made note about him, so I wanted to fire a shot to get us all fired up to start this conversation. In Tomb Raider, Laura Croft is a wealthy adventurer with a knack for adventure. That was a really well-written opening line. The film finds Croft racing the Illuminati to find two halves of the ancient artifact, the Triangle of Light. You sure she wasn't adventuring against the Illuminati? Oh, yeah, she was uh, adventuring the Illuminati to adventure their way to the ancient adventure artifact, the Adventure Triangle of Adventuring Light. That was really good. Thank you. That's the one thing I don't stumble over. It's crazy. Let's do something really ridiculous and just say the same word over and over and over again. Let's wait till we get to the boob section of the show. This film has a Metacritic rating of 33. Just for context, as a frame of reference, Mortal Kombat, which we talked about last year in the show, which was an absolute disaster of a film, was a 44 on Metacritic. No, Mortal Kombat Annihilation was an absolute disaster. That was an abomination. Mortal Kombat wasn't that bad. It's pretty bad. It was, it was, it has its charm. I would say, and this will either be confirmed or disproven by our ranking segment at the end, but I would say that it was worse than all five of the films that we watched for this episode. Oh no, sir. Oh no, sir. We're going to have, oh, this is going to be a long one. Buckle up, folks. All right. (laughs) With that Metacritic rating of 33, there were four positive reviews, 14 mixed, and 13 negative reviews. I just pulled a couple of Metacritic comments from uh, each one of these films. The Boston Globe said, as cumbersome as most films in this subgenre, Angelina Jolie makes it watchable. LA, LA Weekly, Ultimately, Jolie's efforts to establish a character are dashed against the film's increasingly inane dialogue. <laughs> Rolling Stone said, Slick Dick director Simon West of Con Air and The General's Daughter Infamy continues to show no flair at all for blending action and character. Jolie and Laura deserve better. So did we. What do you think, Burns? Did she deserve better? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, call him the best color guy in the industry for nothing. 
<laughs> well, Bernsey, what was your history with Tomb Raider, both this film, the 2001 film, and the video game franchise? Yeah, I, I so I played the game on PC back when it came out. I believe I had the first two of them. Um, I liked them quite a bit. I don't think I ever finished any of them, but then again, when I was a kid, I didn't finish most games. And those games are probably freaking hard. Like, a lot of the games from our childhood were just hard. They're not too bad. I mean, it's there's a lot of puzzles, and so that's part of it, trying to figure out the puzzles. You know, granted, this was the, you know, inception of the internet, so you could try to find some information on there. Um, this was also the first time I downloaded a mod for a game. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of a that's kind of an important thing. Yeah, what was the mod I, I that you downloaded? That can one was. can yeah, you say what it was in the air? We're not going to comment on that, but I have <laughs> seen the movie a couple of times, and it was mediocre. <laughs> that's my history with the movie. <laughs> I played the original game for like thirty minutes, um, and I never went back to it. I don't know why. I don't even remember where I was playing it because I don't think I had a PC that was capable of playing it at the time. So. It did come out on PlayStation also, so it was probably on somebody's system somewhere yeah it had to be it and i just remember yeah just like going through the first kind of temple or whatever you were in but Mm -hmm. then i never never played it again um i've seen the movie probably four or five times you know scrolling through and for some reason it's just one that i stop on you know if it's on there like why? I don't know why. No why. I, I have nothing better to do with my life, I guess. No I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, for my part, I'd never played the games. Uh, not the original games. I played the reboot with the uh, more realistic body type for Laura Croft. And I really enjoyed the twin stick shooter, Laura Croft and the Guardian of Light. That was an awesome little gem that I downloaded on Xbox 360. I'd also seen the movie before, and I had a affinity for it. I've always enjoyed it what stands out to this film going back to it now casey now that you've seen it half a dozen times i mean of everything this movie the thing that stood out the most to me was that i forgot that the third best james bond was in this movie all right so now you have to say who are the two better ones no let me guess uh connery and brosnan bingo yeah yeah i know movies Yes, I've watched Con- like three Connery James one, Bond Brosnan films. Two. Yeah, Connery's yeah, overrated. Great. He's only he was only like Bond for like two movies. Yeah, is the original and the best. He was not the original. He was nowhere close to the original. He was to the original. No, he was not. There's not another movie before. Yes. No, there's not. I guarantee you, there's not. All right, we'll have to look it up later. This is not the topic of this, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he was not the first James Bond. He absolutely was. Uh, I, I I'm with Doctor C I in this one, Bernsey. Any amount of money that he was the very first one. While Burns looks that up, uh, what stood out to me is that this is a good action film. Angelina Jolie is smoking, and I loved her cronies in this film, like her butler and her tech guy. Like I just, I really enjoyed every moment with them on the screen. And Burns, I had a question for you from Phoenix. Did you recognize where the butler was from? I did not. I did recognize who he was, but I didn't look it up. But he was very familiar to me. Red Dwarf. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I've never seen, but she pulled up a couple of clips for me. I'm like, oh my god, I need to watch this. I need yeah, to watch no, like all of this Red right now. Great. I've never seen all of it, but I've seen like the first couple of seasons, and yeah, Red Dwarf's awesome. Yeah, that is something I'm definitely gonna have to go back to. Mm-hmm. Did you find your answer yet, Burns? I do I need to vamp? I'm still looking. I'm still looking. All right. Well, Burns hates Angelina Jolie. That's his key takeaway. Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. I, I mean, I can I can expound on that. I am an outlier on her. I think. Like, I mean, I I love her. I think she's a phenomenal actress. So <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Let let let's parse this out. Okay. Let's let's take the beauty and the actual actress part 
actress part. Yeah, she's not a great actress. Phenomenal. Like, like the, the the dude at the Rolling Stone, <laughs> after saying that the director was Slick Dick, um, yeah, she didn't deserve better. Like, I don't think she could act herself out of a paper bag. So, I don't know about that. And I mean, she's even, pretty baller in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Wanted. Salt. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith is carried by, like, the no, other No, I think Wanted was what movie. I was thinking of. That's the one with McAvoy, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good film. Too. I have not seen Wanted. Wanted I, I've seen movie. scenes from it, you know. I guess bullet curving bullets is a little bit outside of my, uh, you know, comfort zone. For it is a good film. Well, we made Casey watch all of Firefly. <laughs> I'm watching Blade Runner next year, so 2025. You better look forward to that Angelina Jolie show, the, dude. The, the wanted episode of Outside is Overrated. Um, but I will say, like, and also, I feel like from like a beauty standpoint, like, of course she's hot. Yes, I will. I will give you that, but. She just like every aspect of her just seems like fake to me. Like there's a couple of times in this movie where she's like standing there and it's like all you can see are her lips. And it's just like it's <laughs> I, like I did ask Phoenix why her lips were so big. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. Like we have was, a big TV. Like it was almost like a scene from a nightmare. Yeah. And it's like when she's in the shower and it's just like she turns sideways and it's like you just see lips. It's like all lips. <laughs> um so yeah, I uh I just, I just, I just don't get it, and I don't think she is. She doesn't make a good Laura Croft at all. Like, I mean, she was built like the original computer yeah, model of Laura Croft. Yeah, yeah. Give me a second. I'm looking it up. Uh, Casey pulled it up, and he set his phone in front of you. <laughs> I know, but I'm looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, Casey. Well, Casey, what are the strengths of Tomb Raider in 2023? <clears throat> I, mean, I think the special effects are pretty well done for a 20-year-old movie. Um, like, you couldn't tell that it was a crappy old movie, right? Like, No. And it's interesting, because the effects, I think, in this movie were probably some of the best out of all the movies that we're going to discuss here. So it was interesting. We're doing these in chronological order. I didn't spell that out, but Tomb Raider was 2001. This was just a couple of years after Wing Commander, which you famously said on the air. I thought it was all right, and then I realized this was the same year that The Matrix came out. I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie f- sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that... Uh when you think about it like that like the just the crazy amount of computer I don't know technology or whatever that got developed in this short amount of time is is pretty amazing and Tomb Raider they did a, a great job with some of the the different visual effects and things that you you know is green screen and like all this other stuff but they did it they did a, a really great job like you can't tell that it's you know, chintzy at all. Like it's it's really, really, really good for a 2001 movie. I thought. <clears throat> I thought that uh, Julie and Laura Croft were a very strong female lead, and I really, really enjoyed her portrayal. I thought the overall cast was really strong. I mentioned my affinity for the cronies. Burns, what did you like about the supporting cast? I I, I do th- I I think they were. I mean, they're all very specific types, right? So you have like. The, the butler is kind of like Q in some sense, like where he just you know walks up and will hand her a gun or whatever. And then when when the uh, her house uh, Croft Manor is getting like raided, uh, you know, he's, he's turns over, gets a gun and all that stuff. Um, and then the other guy reminded me a lot of like a little bit of Boris from uh, from uh, not Goldfinger, uh, Golden Eye, uh, a little bit. But uh, and I recognized him from some British things too that I've seen. So so there is that. But they're just all really enjoyable. Um, you know, both Daniel Craig and um, 
and Sir Jorah were were really good as like the antagonists, um, and even like the recurring bad guys that don't really say much were you know interesting in the things that they did, um, and like yeah, the Sir Jorah's uh, lackey too. Um, I don't know. I just think that overall the supporting cast was pretty great. Um, so what was it that rubbed you the wrong way about Croft and Jolie? Is it just a distaste for Angelina Jolie? So she just feels like the horny teenager's personification of what Laura Croft is. You know, super busty, super hot chick. Um, and that was what was focused on throughout the entirety of the movie. Whereas the, the games themselves are all about like puzzle solving and actual like adventuring through a tomb in an environment to try to find things and solve the riddle to get to what you're getting at. And that all just takes a backseat to just, all right, let's see her in this crop top. You know, and it's funny that you bring that up because one of the uh, Metacritic review snippets that I thought about including mentioned that Angelina Jolie's uh, bust and butt and thighs got so much screen time they should have their own credits. <laughs> I can like, see that. Yeah, not not entirely untrue. And I will take umbrage with what you said too. I think that CG kind of looked like it, it looked like it was from a Doctor Who episode. Okay, there's a wide gamut there. Like, Ecclestein <laughs> Doctor Who had pretty crappy old special effects. New Doctor Who special effects are, like, baller, dude. I'm referring to old Doctor Who, weird, wonky, really goofy CGI. <laughs> and that's, I feel like a lot of the CGI, and, and granted, we're talking about, this was like, it came out in 2001. So, but, like, around that same time, The Matrix came out, and the CG in that is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. And compared to this... To today's and compared standards. to this, um, I just, it just doesn't really hold a candle very much. And I think a lot of the other movies, as we get moving down further through the, the list of these in time, uh, do a much better job. But then again, I guess a lot of things are advancing at that point. And Burns, we're at odds on something here. You thought this movie was boring, to put words in your mouth, that yes. you wrote... Under the page. Yes. Uh, you thought it was boring. I thought it was a great action film and enjoyed the ride. Casey, what end of the spectrum did you come up, come in on in the overall like flow of this movie? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's pretty just okay. I don't know. Like, it's, it's like, I wrote down that I feel like the kind of the Illuminati story was overdone, but then I got to thinking after I wrote that, I'm like, well, at the time, I don't recall any other movies beforehand, and like maybe I'm just like burnt out on Dan Brown and like all the other movies that came <laughs> out after that that like are like all Illuminati and everything going uh-huh. on. But like this was well before that, so at the time, you know, it it's hard to put myself 20 years ago, like first watching it and thinking like, okay, if I first saw this 20 years ago, what would I think? And I think if that was the case, I actually think it was pretty good. But now today I'm like, Oh, this has been done a hundred times, which it has since then, you know, but this is kind of like a groundbreaker as far as like, sounds like you're on the the Illuminati, like taking, you know, going after this, this artifact and like trying to unlock some secret power, you know, like it's, um, so I don't know. Like I, I said I wrote it was okay, but I think it was actually pretty good. Yeah, uh, Bernsey, is this a film that you enjoy in 2023? Yeah, I mean it was mediocre. I would not watch it again anytime soon. I would be curious to watch the what Cradle of Fire or something or Cradle Life, of Life, the second one, just to see if it's any better or not. Um, it's and- got Gerard Butler. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that that helps a little bit. 
I mean, he's no Daniel Craig, but... Oh, Daniel Craig is gone, so you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> Casey, is this a film that you enjoy in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think it's way better than a 33 on the Metacritic scale, and I've... Excited every, not every time, but if I'm scrolling through channels and it happens to be on, half the time I probably stop and end up watching the rest of it. So it's a good it, metric, it, the yeah. uh, the old scroll stopper. Yeah, I, I will say. So you, you mentioned the Metacritic and how it's better than a 33. I feel like a lot of this kind of comes down to, I, I think that for film critics in general, they've gotten much more lenient as time has gone on. Like, I think we've moved a lot past, like, the super critical, like, Siskel and Ebert and all those things, when, like, at that point, any action movie was probably going to be panned for the most part, unless it was, like, something truly remarkable. Uh, So I think that's part of what's at play here. And I think as things have gone on and, like, the success of the Marvel movies and stuff like that in, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s uh i think that's when things really started to transition and action movies would get passable ratings now granted i would also agree that a lot of those movies do do a lot more complex things than a lot of these movies do as action movies but uh that's just something that i think is an interesting perspective with it yeah i I also to add to that like i think now too there's just such a (laughs) you know, Twitter and everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's so many more critics. I mean, you said you went on this and like, there were 20 some reviews, right? Like that's, there's no way a blockbuster movie is only having 20 reviews. Yeah. It's like in today's age. Them, yeah. Right? Now there's like, yeah. If, I mean, 90 is probably on a low end. There's, yep. there's so the, you know, the, the amount of, of reviews that are out there is, is way more. So the, the scale is, you know, probably, a lot better than than it was back then when you have and it's cool to like rip on a movie right like it's cool mm-hmm. to rip on stuff oh this so is uh fun. this is pre-review bombing dude <laughs> yeah that is true i don't know i think back then it was still like i mean it's pre-review bombing yes but it, it's still like as a critic here like critics oh, yeah like, look down at movies like this yes. that are supposed to be popular just like you know popcorn action flicks that you're not supposed to think you're just supposed to shut your brain off and try to enjoy um yeah, I think Casey has a point there. Yeah, and Casey's very smart. <laughs> this is a film that I enjoy. Uh, it's something that I'll definitely go back to. One note that I had from Phoenix, she has always had an affinity for this movie from when it came out until now. And uh, for her, at that time, it was one of the most high-profile, like, butt-kicking female protagonists. And it's so she's always just loved the Tomb Raiders for Laura Croft and her physical capabilities. Um, and she says that Laura Croft is still awesome. Laura Croft is still awesome. Yeah. Final thoughts on Tomb Raider. Uh, Bernsey, we'll start with you. Yeah, this movie's skippable, I think. I mean, if you've never seen it, sure, watch it, especially if you have some form of an affinity for the character. Um, If you've only played the more modern Tomb Raider games, you probably are going to have a little bit less of a connection to Angelina Jolie's Laura Croft. Um, and I would actually say I prefer the more recent version of Lara Croft. And I hated it with a burning, fiery passion. Why? I love Alicia Vikander. Like, and I loved her being cast as Lara Croft, but for some reason that movie fell completely flat. I don't know if it didn't break enough new ground from the game that it was referring to as the source material, but like, 
you know, that's the nerd double-edged sword. Like, if you don't break new ground, it's like, oh, well, we already know this story. You're not doing anything new here. But if you stray away from it, it's like, oh, this sucks. This isn't what I wanted. I just wanted this game on a video, in a movie format. So, but I don't you, know, but I hated it. comparing that to this one, you're telling me that that's a worse movie than this Tomb Raider is? Yes. I can't, uh, I, I cannot, I cannot even... And granted, I haven't seen that one in a while. From a technical standpoint, that. it's probably a lot like better on the technical side. I'm sure the effects all look better, but like that movie failed to grab me in any way. I went into it with really high hopes, and it's just like, oh, this is why video game movies have a bad rap. I mean, but it's just a, it's a Lara Croft that's actually more than just you know silicone and one liners and awkward looking action sequences. So, but she for didn't me, have better. She didn't have the nighttime fight in her pajamas. That was a cool scene, man. Yeah, like the Cirque du Soleil sort of, you know, fresh off of the Las Vegas Strip kind of action sequence. That is the best action sequence in the movie. I it think. is, for sure. So, yeah, yeah no, it, good sequence. Uh, I like this movie. It's something that I'm going to go back to from time to time and we will definitely share with my kiddos at some point. Casey, the uh, which way do you tip the scales here? I thought it was uh, entertaining and... We just- to piggyback on like what we said about the action sequences are fun and uh, I think they're well done and I, I like it I like it it was a good movie pretty good Tomb Raider 2001 uh, next up we are going to break an annual tradition where I start writing the notes for the January show and say oh crap I didn't say thank you to anyone as I closed out the year of Outside is Overrated <laughs> Uh, So I'm going to take just a brief moment to say some thank yous. You may not realize it, but even a silly little podcast like Outside is Overrated takes a lot of work. I couldn't do it without my friends, family, and our generous supporters on Patreon. As we close out the year, I'd like to recognize some of the contributions that make the show possible. First, there's our corporate sponsor, Doctors Brian and Kelsey Camille at Premier Health. Without their support, OIO would literally come out whenever I feel like it, which would probably be every six months. Uh, You can go back on Spotify and look at the release dates for like the first six 12 episodes and like there's some gaps there uh getting a corporate sponsor really regulated things and put me on a schedule and uh i think really improved the quality of the show so thank you brian and kelsey for supporting the show and to all of our listeners please check out their website at premierhealthmn.com that's premierhealthmn as in minnesota.com then there are all our outstanding co-hosts who volunteer their time and energy for the show not only do Joey and Casey both do the main show, but they also break down video games with me every single month. You can check out our numerous discussions on Game Pass games in the OIO podcast feed, and we're excited to roll out OIO Game Club in the new year. In addition to these two souls-hating personalities, <laughs> I'd like to thank Adam, John, Brian, Patrick, and Billy for all their efforts breaking down board games, video games, books, and movies this year. I'd also like to thank all 25 of our patrons for supporting the show. Whether you're contributing $2 a month or $50, your support keeps the host from having to buy all of the media that we talk about out of their own pockets. Thank you so much for your generous support. Next, I'd like to thank my amazing wife, Phoenix. Not only does she appear on the show, sometimes on exceptionally short notice, (laughs) but she also supports this passion project. OIO prep, consumption, recording, and editing takes a lot of time. That's time that I could be spending with her and our two young kiddos. Uh, this show is an important creative outlet for me. It's something that I love doing, and Phoenix, I am so grateful for your support. Thank you, love. 
Finally, I'd like to thank everyone listening to the show right now. Whether you came to us because of Elden Ring or just have a penchant for kind of okay movies from 20 years ago, <laughs> thank you for spending some time with us. I hope you find us entertaining and invite you to join the OIO community as either a patron or a Discord member. You can shoot me a note at overratedpod at gmail.com or uh, that's overratedpod at gmail.com for an invite to either community or with general feedback for the show. So... Quick uh, gut check from you guys. I wrote down all of my thoughts because, like, I'm horrible doing things off the cuff, and I didn't want to leave anyone off. Did that feel like an adequate appreciation of support? You guys are both hosts. You're both patrons. You feel appreciated. I wish uh, I had a gaming chair, Tom. <laughs> no, you do not. You do not see the value of these. I was going to give one away as the OIO Patreon gift. And uh, you're like, no, that's a stupid gift. What am I going to do with it? I'm like, you sit in it, dude. You're like, sit in it and you play games and it's really comfortable and you can do it for a long time. You're like, no, you just like expect me to put it in the middle of my living room as a talking piece? Yeah. I mean, as somebody who does not own a PC for gaming, it would have been weird for for me to have a gaming chair. But no, I, I <laughs> thank you, Tom. Yes, it felt like a very heartfelt, sincere thank you. So, uh Thank you for letting me also do this and, and throwing my voice out to the <laughs> 25 people who listen to us. <laughs> I don't even own a gun, much less multiple guns, which would necessitate owning a rack. Uh, no, what movie I is think, that from, Tom? What movie is that from, yeah, Tom? Yeah, what movie is that? It's from Wayne's World. I've seen that. Oh, hey, hey, twice. Uh, no, I think that covered everything pretty well. Awesome. Well, good. Thank you to everyone. Next, we move on to Resident Evil. Resident Evil release in 2002. Yes, Never mind did. the pause. Oh, God, my pages are out of... Is this yes, right? That's right. The Metacritic is next? All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm going to read that a little bit later. It was written and directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. He has 15 writing credits, including six Resident Evil... He has 15 writing credits, including six Resident Evil films, four Death Race films, and Alien vs. Predator and Monster Hunter. He has 18 directing credits, including Shopping in 1994, Mortal Kombat in 1995, Event Horizon in 97, three Resident Evil movies, Alien vs. Predator and Monster Hunter. This film stars Mila Jovovich as Alice with 57 acting credits from The Fifth Element in 97 to The Zoolander Movies, Three Musketeers, and, of course, Monster Hunter. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez as Rain. She has 54 acting credits. Resident Evil was her fourth credit. She's known for the Fast and the Furious films. Blood Rain. Can't wait to discuss that film in the top five. Avatar, Eight Seasons of Loss, and D&D Honor Among Thieves. And Ryan McCluskey as Mr. Grey with 33 acting credits. Resident Evil was his first film. He's also known for Wimbledon in 2004 and Doctor Who Dreamland in 2009, which I've heard is just killer special effects, Burns. <laughs> I mean, that one might. It's more recent, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Whovian, and it wasn't meant to denigrate Doctor Who. This is a It was meant TV to denigrate series. me specifically? No, it was meant to denigrate Tomb Raider. Oh, okay. It's a series that you're obviously a TV series... Um, you know, isn't going to be able to have, you know, breaking edge uh, or cutting edge. That's the word I was looking for. CG. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty baller now. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's also done six video game voice acting 
credits. He has Killzone 2, Dead Space Extraction, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, and I didn't write down the other ones. It's fine. After a lab ab Oh my goodness. Blam bam boo. It's like being unemployed has ruined my brain. After a lab accident, the Umbrella Corporation murders all its employees in an underground lab. Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler from the first 30 <laughs> seconds of the movie. Yeah, well, like a couple minutes, but yeah. A special team is sent in to reset the AI that runs the lab. They cut the power, opening all the doors and unleashing a zombie horde. Then they have to race back across the facility before being sealed in for all time. Spoilers. <laughs> yep, super spoilers. <laughs> this film has a Metacritic of 33. It's got uh, two positive, two mixed, two negative. Oh my goodness. I, uh, yeah, I don't know how you included some of them twice and like one the first one's different on each one yeah uh, but that's well, right yeah I mean nobody else is going to see the show notes so everyone's just going to assume I'm that I helping to explain the confusion that you've had with it yeah and all the ruffling pages yeah. uh, it was actually a last minute format change to put the Metacritic things in right above the movie like I was just going to list the Metacritic and I'm like well some of these comments that they have are pretty interesting and funny so I'm going to start putting those in and some are at the top and some are at the bottom and apparently I didn't get it all smoothed out I thought I'd missed RE and uh Nope, turns out it was just up top. We're, so, we're almost there now. Here's what some of the people, some of the critics said about the Resident Evil film. Chicago Tribune, one of the few video game movies to truly recreate the gaming experience. From the three-dimensional maps to the structure of encountering increasingly grisly and dangerous foes at higher levels of play. Variety, despite a promising setup, Pick never really goes anywhere. Instead, immersing viewers in a kinetic onslaught of flesh, namely that of Mila... Jovovich and Flesh Eaters, most of the rest of the cast. <laughs> LA Weekly, and this is my favorite out of all the Metacritic ones. LA Weekly. The interchangeable males all resemble Freddie Prince Jr., and Anderson's direction is no less anemic, making one yearn for an escape slash quit button that sadly doesn't exist in this medium. Burnsy, your history with Resident Evil, the, f- uh, the game franchise, and the film franchise. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've talked about um, the Resident Evil games and my experience with them. Basically, you played five, right? I've played five, and I've listened to because I had a demo disc of the first RE that had like the all the sound files for like the entire game on it, and I listened to those because I thought they were great, but my computer couldn't run the game that I had at that point. Uh, so I listened to all the voice lines, and they are so campy and cheesy. <laughs> like, that first Resident Evil video game is, like, the cheesiest VA that you've ever heard in a game, and I kind of loved it. Um, and I do remember the movie mostly favorably. It's probably the movie out of these that I've watched the most, um, mostly just because it was on a lot, I think, but... That's funny because I'd watched the movie once like 15 years ago and I hated it with a burning fiery passion. Uh, I don't think I ever got past the fact that it didn't take place in the mansion. Um, My history with the franchise, I played the first one. I loved it, but I never finished it and I just hate jumping around in series. So like I haven't touched the rest of the series since that. Like I know they remade one with more modern controls and they've done full scale remakes of the other games. Like I need to revisit the RE franchise, but it's like, man, I still want to play Elden Ring. And it's like, Uh I... I don't know. I just I I want to get back to it, but I don't think that I ever will. Casey, you've never played a video game before, but have you you watched a lot of movies? Was this one that was on your regular rotation in the two thousands? Uh, I don't know about the two thousands, but I, it's another one where if I'm scrolling past on the TV for some reason, I'll stop and watch it. Um, but I mean, I've seen it 
probably not as much as Tomb Raider. I've seen it like three, four times. So, but I've I've seen this, and I'm pretty sure. Is there an arcade version of Resident Evil? Like an actual like. I mean, there's House of the Dead. You shoot zombies in that. I'm not sure if they ever did. And I'm sure at some point, because it's a Japanese company, Konami, I mean, I bet they did at multiple points, but... Yeah, so you just like, have, like, happy like memories of going yeah. probably at the casino in Hinkley? Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's my Resident Evil experience. Well, what stands out to you, Casey, going back to this film now? I mean, other than, it, you know, being a, a decent movie, like, is this the first... Like real, like kind of major motion picture to feature feature a viral zombie outbreak. Like I was trying to think of anything that I knew so, before that. I mean, and, there's been zombie movies. There's been a lot right. of zombie movies in the past, but like as far as what caused them and like being caused by a specific virus, was this like the first one that? It might have been, um, but it, I mean, this is well before like The Walking Dead and everything drove zombies into the ground. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff that came on after, like Dawn of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead, World War Z, I Am Legend, Zombieland. Like, all those are -hmm. are zombie movies, and all those are viral, like, caused by a virus, specifically. So I just, like, as I was watching this, I was like, huh, I kind of wonder if this was the first one. (laughs) Yeah, I have no idea. I I haven't seen movies, although I've seen Zombieland. (laughs) So, yeah, that was... that was just as my 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 thought as I was I was going back to it. Other than like I said, it being like, oh yeah, this is this is a good movie. I can remember why I watched this. Yeah, oh, it was way better than the '90s. Bernsey, what uh, <laughs> what stand stood out to you? Uh, so I think on this rewatch, it was how it just gets right into everything. Um, so it jumps right in. You're following these nobody characters, and you see kind of everything fall apart. Um, within this facility, the hive. Um, and I think that that's really attention grabbing. And I especially like the aspect of it that when you see a bunch of these characters at the beginning, pretty much all of them are somewhere later on, spoiler, as zombies. And so it's kind of cool to see how they get interlaced through there and what level of like decrepitude the different ones are are at at those points so i think i think that's a that's a really cool aspect of of this movie yeah killer opening sequence you're absolutely right uh my take was that it's just a solid survival horror film and i learned that you can fight zombies in a tight red dress yeah i mean ada wong does it in the game too so i mean this is the later game so it was after this movie but if ada wong can do it alice can do it Awesome. Yeah, uh, Jill Valentine just wore, like, a regular soldier star yeah. unit. Well, I mean, outfit. she was special, though. I mean, she, she, she was the Jill sandwich, so. <laughs> um, Bernsey, strengths of this film? I, I think I agree with, I didn't, I didn't, when I filled out the notes, I didn't read uh, the, the snippets that you pulled from the different reviewers, but I would agree that this is probably the best representation of the reference materials um, out of any of the video game movies. Aside from, uh, especially for this episode, I mean, Wing Commander was made by the person who made the Wing Commander games, and so I feel like that like really tried to stay true to that source material, but I think this was a really good job of, of adhering to that. Well, it's interesting, because like, my perspective, having played RE1 and not the other ones, like, it's like, I miss the mansion, man. Like, I thought the mansion was a cool setting for the first game, and, like, they just kind of glossed over it in the intro to the movie. Well, but that's... I wouldn't even say that, because I don't even know that that mansion was supposed to be the mansion from the video game. 
I assume that it was because it was like mansion v mansion. It could be. Uh, the The thing I will say is I actually like that they didn't try to fall down the trap of recreating the video game. Um, I mean, they do pull a lot of the characters from the Resident Evil games into some of the future movies, I believe. They had the dogs. That was a nice homage. Yeah, but in this one, yeah, I think focusing on how everything started... Um, so that that's almost like the origin or precursor to the video games, I think is a smart way to go about it because then you're not trying to say, oh, well, this, this person looked a lot like this character, but this guy didn't look like Wesker at all. And he didn't play it as well as the voice actor did. And cause you just get into all those comparisons, which I think is where then like it starts to split up your fan base a little bit. So you're saying that nerd rage is dumb and nerds should just suck it up and roll with. I mean, <laughs> go back to like our cowboy bebop episode. It's it's been something that's popped up a lot of times. I, I feel like people just wanting to ruthlessly adhere to the source material until um, he gets it in the Tomb Raider like rebooted movie, and then it's like this movie sucks. Well, I just hate it. That's like the character. Like you don't get that the the main character of the entire franchise right. That's different. And I was pointing at you more so for like the shirt you're wearing. Than oh anything. yeah, yeah. I'm wearing a uh, my shirt says Book Faramir would never because the Two Towers is a trash movie because it screws up my favorite character in the entire written work. So uh, suck on that, Peter Jackson. <laughs> Did you buy that shirt, or like, did you actually find that in the store? Or did you make that specifically for? Uh, Phoenix found it in the store for me. That's insane. Yeah, the book Faramir would never actually see. share the same. I'm not the only you. one. I'm not the only Just one. Just the loudest one. Yeah. The only one on the outside is overrated podcast. Casey, the biggest strength of this film for you? Mila Jovovich is Alice. Like. <laughs> what what stood out? Is it just the red dress? Wearing any clothes. No, she's just like I don't know. Like. I just think she did a really, really fantastic job with everything in this movie, and like, I think. What are you people, doing with your hand right now, by the way? I'm, like you're like rubbing your eye. And, I don't yes. know. Okay. I don't know. I don't. I don't. Mila Jovovich is really good, and and uh, yeah, the car the car was fast today, and uh, I I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Uh, <laughs> but no, I just think she was really good, and like most people who aren't familiar with the Resident Evil franchise, I think if you mention Resident Evil to them, the first thing they're going to think of is Mila Jovovich. Like, uh-huh. I, you know, like that's just... And I think there's a reason she's been cast over and over and over again in all these movies is because she does a really good job with with the material. Agreed. Um, Bernsey, what did you think of how the plot played out because Mila Jovovich wakes up she's basically amnesiac she's yeah. like in the shower she doesn't know what's going on and so we're on this journey with her as things like s- start coming together for her how do you think they handled uh, that element of the world building yeah I mean you know the whole amnesiac and then regaining memory at pivotal points is kind of a trope in movies but I actually really like how that like got interspersed into there and then how and I don't know if it was either that like their memories kind of got jogged her and I don't even know the other guy's name that was Freddie Prince Jr. 3 he actually doesn't look like Freddie Prince Jr. as much the the other her husband fake Spence. husband Spence there you go that's his name um I <laughs> like how he she kind of remembered sort of his role and everything and then he did it I don't either he did it at the same time or he realized she was finally remembering like 
you know, kind of his whole role in how everything happened. Um, I don't know. I thought that was interesting and how that just sort of helped to continue to forward the plot um, by revealing that information at the same time, I, I, I thought was interesting. And the balance between horror and action. Did this film have a good pace to it? Was that a strength? Or I saw in a lot of the reviews that they thought it was, <clears throat> excuse me, too frenetic. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's interesting because those are kind of time capsules, right? I think a lot of other zombie movies especially have <laughs> followed that kind of pacing strategy. You have, you know, less of the action in the first half of the movie, but then once all the proverbial bleep hits the fan, it Appreciate just you. is like, you know, it just like just spirals downhill. And that's kind of what happened in this movie is it's like, okay, the horde is after you. Uh, people are going to start dropping like flies. And at first, you know, the you know, they don't know how to kill them. So they just keep shooting them in the chest, you know? And then finally, you know, the, the AI thankfully tells them how to do it. And they couldn't they think, well, I'm going to shoot this guy in the head before that. But, <laughs> but otherwise I do think that it, 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 it really, I think it's, I think it does a pretty good job of balancing the action and the horror and, and sort of, you know, laying the groundwork before that so that it was more impactful as you went on and on. It's got good tension. Yeah. The one thing, <laughs> the one thing that always has kind of <laughs> rubbed me a little bit wrong about this movie was just like how much they just love rain when it's like, she's just kind of like this cold bee to you the entire movie. And then all of a sudden she's like your favorite person in the world, Alice. Like, I don't know that just like it happens like kind of on like the flip of a switch, um, it, which is just like, do you really like, do you really like rain? Or is it just that she's the most capable person that's still here and her dying is <laughs> like less odds of survival. I don't know. That was just like the one thing that always seemed weird to me about this movie. But. Yeah. And she's in future movies. So I'm interested to see how that's going to like work out. How what Michelle Rodriguez. Mm hmm. The future Resident Evil movies? Yeah, uh, she's listening to them on IMDb, so I don't know if it's flashbacks or what, but... Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess... Because, like, I... she's dead as shit, right? Like, I didn't... Uh, I gotta stop swearing because I don't want to edit this this much. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen the second one, and I don't remember much about it. Um, and there's, what, been five or six of them with Mila six. Jovovich in them, I think? Yeah, there's a, there's a healthy helping. Yeah, and they're all... You know, so we watched... Or I at least watched it on Tubi. Um, unfortunately for listeners, the end of the month, they're going to be gone. So maybe they'll be on a different streaming service. That's a little bit more recognizable by the time you hear this, but, uh, yeah. but Tubi yeah. is great. I watch it on DVD from the library. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing more fancy than free stuff from the library. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the AI. One of the things that I thought was a weakness in this film was I would have just liked more from the AI. It's this creepy little girl, which is weird that this little girl has like the strength to murder everyone in the facility, but all right. I just, I wish there had been more with the AI. There's a couple of brief interactions and then like it's gone forever. It's like, Oh, they left me wanting more. You trying to tell me, Tom, that if one of your daughters ended up having all the power that that AI had, that they wouldn't kill a bunch of fools too? I mean, it would be mass chaos. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't just be the hive. It would be planet Earth that would need to be concerned. I'm pretty sure the AI just took the form of the girl too to stop them from killing it killing yeah. it yeah. so it's not really a little girl the, even yeah. though like throughout well, the entire movie they there was a line still yeah it was the guy who created it um 
made it in the likeness of his daughter. Right. His dead yeah, daughter, yeah, I think, yeah, is what yeah. he said, yeah. yeah. And now they're all dead, so yeah, yeah we are all dead here. <laughs> By Jake Rudquist. Other strengths and weaknesses before uh, we move on. No, all right, Casey. Is this a film that you enjoyed in two thousand twenty-two, twenty-three? Yeah, it's decent. I mean, two thousand twenty-three. The story is good. I think the casting director did a fantastic job, um, and I'll probably watch it again at some point. Yeah, I I thought it was fine. Like I am going to watch the other movies to see where it goes from here, and that's not something that I would say from any other video game movie except for ironically enough blood rain uh bernsey (laughs) is this a film that you enjoyed in 2023 yeah it was super fun to watch and um i think the special and practical effects because there are a lot of practical effects with the zombies and stuff like that too i think we're all all looked really good uh the only thing is the dogs i always thought the dogs just looked weird i I didn't think they i didn't think they captured the whole it just looked like they just dumped a bunch of goop on a dog and it's like (laughs) oh here we go and for me it looked exactly like the dogs i remember from re1 it's like oh my god i remember when they burst in the windows in the mansion Uh like that's that's a defining moment of gaming yeah and and that's the thing with with the different monsters when they were revealed and everything like that i mean they did some really good like callbacks to the general feeling of it you know, they never really did the whole, the first time you see the zombie in Resident Evil, and it's like munching on a corpse and then turns around and looks over its shoulder. I was waiting for that yeah. moment. They never did that, um, probably because that's a little bit too, like, too, like, quintessential to the to the original video game. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think this was an admirable representation uh, of what an origin for the RE universe would be. Why point at me, Tom? (laughs) Casey, what are your final thoughts on Resident Evil? You asked me if it was a film that I would enjoy. I didn't realize we were on final thoughts yet. No, I mean, like, I guess my final thought is smooth of a transition. You you did. That was fantastic. Uh, Yeah, my final thought is uh, James Purefoy got screwed by IMDb. When you go on IMDb, I mean, he is, uh, you know, Spence as we we talked about. And besides the zombies, he's the main protagonist. And I think it's really weird that he didn't get listed considering he won an Oscar for his portrayal of Prince Edward in uh, A Knight's Tale. I've seen that film. I don't know how... He didn't win an Oscar. (laughs) I did enjoy that movie, though. It's bad, but I enjoyed it I love A Knight's Tale, yes. Um, I like it, too. The one thing I do want to point out here, I didn't know if it made sense to point it out now or later, the guy who played Mr. Gray, he looks so much like the video game Max Payne that it's like he would have been like the perfect person. Well, maybe personality or acting ability notwithstanding. But like from a looks perspective, like he looks exactly like the Max Payne from the PS2 video games that I remember. So I just thought I wanted to point that out. Yeah. Fair enough. Yep. I'm... Oh, hey. <laughs> Gosh, I am so good at following paper. <laughs> Oh, we just get locked into looking into each other's know, eyes, just, and it's just magical. Just gazing into your eyes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I have been watching just a ton of bad movies lately, and you know, during many of them, I fall asleep on the couch. I wake up, and thankfully the movie is over, but holy cow, does my neck hurt. Do you guys know uh, where I can maybe go have it looked at? This seems to be an annual problem for you, Case. 
uh, we suggest checking out Premier Health. They have solutions for back pain, neck pain, car accident, falling asleep on the couch-related injuries, and more. We suggest seeing Dr. Camille in Golden Valley, Minnesota. Learn more at PremierHealthMN.com. That's PremierHealthMN, as in Minnesota.com. Or you could just see yourself, Dr. C. Come on. I mean, <laughs> outside of the Logan technique, how do you really treat yourself? <laughs> He just every time he's that's why it hurts his shoulders out of whack because he falls asleep on the couch with the thumb inserted, you know. Wow, <laughs> that's why you, why you and Donald were so close. <laughs> Sorry, we're a little off the rails here. I apologize. Oh, well, we'll get right back into the rails with the Sterling Cinematic Experience House of the Dead. Released in 2003, this film was written by Mark A. Altman, Dan Bates, and Dave Parker. Altman has 17 writing credits, uh, including Free Enterprise in 1998. House of the Dead was his third writing credit. He did 25 episodes of a show called Femme Fatales. Sounds like it's groundbreaking work. Mm -hmm. Two episodes of The Librarians, which is a fantastic show, and 23 episodes of Pandora. What's that? Don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, But I was on IMDb, so uh, hopefully it's legit. Uh, Bates has only one writing credit. Parker is primarily an editor. He has 18 directing credits with lots of horror stuff. He has 11 writing credits, and they are all horror. Okay. Well, I mean, this movie was horrific. Not in the way that he probably intended, but... Disagree. This film, uh, this gem, was directed by Yu Bull. I think it's Uwe. Uwe? Uwe? I think it's Uwe. Uwe. Yeah. Good. he's He's Swedish or Finnish or something like that. Directed by Uwe Boll. That feels so weird to say, but uh, I don't know how to pronounce words, so I'll, yeah. I'll trust you, Burns. He is known for... Uh, this is what he's known for on IMDb. <clears throat> Postal. Alone in the dark. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. Is that the actual name? No. Okay. Uh, I, I inserted one word. I'll let okay. you guess which one. Name. And Blood Rain. Oh. Blood Rain. <laughs> he has 22 writing credits, 35 directing credits. House House of the Dead was his ninth directing credit. This dude made a lot, a lot of video game movies in the 2000s. <clears throat> the list includes House of the Dead in 2003, Alone in the Dark in 2005, which has the distinction of holding the Guinness World Record for the lowest grossing game-based movie of all time. <laughs> That's not surprising. I, I thought it was actually really good. Okay. I really, well, not really good, uh, but not like the worst... I think, video game movie. I think of all part time. of it is that it's from like a very niche like video game franchise. Um, so yeah, I think that didn't help. And, and what Tara Reid isn't she in that? Tara Tara Reid and Christian Slater. Yeah, yeah. They wow. couldn't even carry it either. I, he was great. Like this, that was actually a really enjoyable film, and uh, it's one that Phoenix and I both really enjoyed. Interesting. Uh, Blood Rain, the same year, two thousand five. Did not enjoy that. In the name of the king, tried to emulate the Lord of the Rings and did it very, very poorly. But at least it was super duper long. Uh, Postal in two thousand seven. Blood Rain two Deliverance in two thousand seven, which is the Blood Rain character just in the Wild West. Far Cry in two thousand eight. And a couple of other gems, Blood Rain, the Third Reich, which is the third different Blood Rain actress. This time she's fighting Nazis in Germany, trying to prevent Hitler from uh, mutating or something. And In the Name of the King, Two Worlds in 2011, which is unrelated to the first one? I don't know. Is it like Two Towers? Does Maybe. Does The Name of the King, Faramir, get it right? Uh, you have to watch it now. Oh, I don't know <laughs> if I can do that, Burns. So, like, Uwe Boll, 
is so I, I don't even want it because you know you have like your B movies like he is like like Z tier movies is what he makes and granted like it's not like they probably have huge budgets which is probably why it's just like well let's just throw it at this guy he's made movies on a pittance and at least made money back on them so uh, I guess we'll just keep throwing him a boner five here I guess I don't know I would say that three of these movies are worth watching uh, Alone in the Dark I thought was a very good film. Uh, Far Cry was actually probably my favorite of all the video game movies that I've watched. Okay. It uh, was surprisingly good, and it had one remarkably corny scene that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, And House of the Dead is just this weird, wonky thing that is just a fantastic ride. It uh, it stars Jonathan Cherry as Rudy. He has 39 acting credits, including Final Destination 2, Goon, and Goon, Last of the Enforcers. Tyrone Tyrone Lizzo as Simon. He has 23 credits, including Blood Rain 2 and Far Cry. So he's basically in every Uwe Boll movie, maybe. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. And Clint Howard as Salish, who has 256 acting credits, including Tango and Cash, Austin Powers, and The Waterboy. And every, every, uh, uh, what's his name? Ron Howard movie, basically, yep. That's hilarious that Angelina Jolie had, what, 66? And Clint Clint Howard Howard has 256. I'd rather watch Clint Howard. (laughs) It's more enjoyable. Disagree vehemently. At least he puts something into it. And he's not just this, like, uh, you know, basically a moving silicone mannequin that's trying to emote. Um, he does something with everything. I would watch Angelina Jolie emote as she makes toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're surely watching her emote. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure about that. <laughs> the basic plot for House of the Dead. A bunch of dumb young people are going to a, the rave of the year on a remote island. When a small group misses their boat, they hire a smuggler, smuggler to deliver them to Always the party. Smart. Yeah. A bunch of chicks run around topless and mm-hmm. as an immortal Spanish dude murders everybody. <laughs> this film has a Metacritic rating of 15, a total of 15 critical reviews, two mixed and 13 negative. Variety said whether this is good or bad depends on just how much 14-year-old boy you've got in you. All right. Apparently, I have a fair amount. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> now it's making sense. Yeah. Well, Tom this. I don't want any fourteen-year-old boy in me. Oh. Cut that out for all time. <laughs> Chicago Tribune unimaginatively recycles all the teens in the woods gore fest conventions, and the Entertainment Weekly said to properly convey the John dro- the jaw-dropping shoddiness of this video game-based horror quotes movie quotes, one must approach what scientists call absolute stupid. <laughs> state previously thought to exist only under highly controlled laboratory conditions or at the highest levels of government. That, I love how they put movie in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> like the horror part in quotes is just, I would say the movie part. That is probably, I need to look up who that author was. That is one of my favorite and most accurate like movie critic lines ever. That yeah. is amazing. Pretty good. Casey, you have any history with either the game or with this film? I have no experience with either of either of these. Yeah, I'd played the game in the arcade a couple of times, uh, and I had no idea this movie existed until Burns chose it as the film that he wanted to watch in this show. Yeah. Burns, what uh, what was your history with this franchise that made you decide that we should all watch this? So I've maybe, similar to you, have maybe played it a couple of times in the arcade. I always grab more to Time Crisis, um, which is a very similar game. Um, and I do want to do one correction. I said Resident Evil was Konami. That's Capcom. I screwed that up. I knew it right after I said it, but I wanted to correct that now. But, um, so 
this movie has always been um, the first thing I think of whenever people would ask what would be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Redneck um, Zombies. Yeah, this no, this always jumped up to the top of the list. I maybe haven't seen that fine gem either. Um, and this is coming from someone who watched a movie with copious amounts of boobies in it when he was in his early 20s. So for me to be able to see past that and still say that this movie is utter trash, um, that takes a lot. But I think I, I, I still stand by my original thoughts. Oh, 20-ish year old me um, was still pretty much spot on. Yeah, always 14-year-old me is going to love this film for all time. <laughs> Casey, what stands out to you going back to House of the Dead? <laughs> I just, after the credits, well, actually, I don't think I watched the credits, but like when the movie ended, I was expecting it to be like shot from an iPhone 3. <laughs> 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 That's the quality of, of, of this movie. <laughs> I mean, it did have like a third of the budget of all of the movies that we've seen. Uh, most of the movies, because most of the movies had about the same like sort of range of budget. One of them was like super high budget. Tomb Raider was like huge budget, probably half of that for Angelina Jolie. But it was like over a hundred million dollars was the budget for. Oh wow, Tomb Raider. Um, Alone in the Dark was twenty million for context. Okay, yeah, this was twelve, um, and it made money. It made made fifteen million dollars total. So so there you go. Um, so it was a successful film. Good, good. I so I definitely on this watch I definitely laughed a lot more than I did when I watched it back in the day. Um, you know, I kind of was able to get into that kind of for me and a bunch of my friends from high school. The classic example of it was we wanted to go see Spider Man two, but it was like all sold out, so we ended up going to Jason X instead, and it was like the most fun we ever had in a movie theater because. You know, we weren't expecting to see it, and we were just along for the ride with how stupid it was and poorly acted it was and just laughing throughout the entire thing. And I actually kind of got into that mode this time, so I can see liking it from that perspective, but some of just the shoddiness of a lot of it still rang true as I was watching it as well. Well, one thing that wasn't shoddy... Liberty is the greatest character in American cinema. <laughs> Liberty is awesome, and Liberty made this film for me. So it's basically, Asian girl with pigtails that's wearing a red, white, white and blue like spandex like sh- like suit, right? Mm-hmm. Basically, is the way to explain it. She she is pretty. Is pretty. It's a funny character. I will give you that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> she may or may not come up in the top five. <laughs> Strengths and weaknesses of House of the Dead. Casey, the greatest strength of this film. <laughs> the greatest strength of this film is this is quite possibly the worst movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> That's the strength of this film. I will say, I will agree with you guys, where I did laugh at a few things, especially Liberty and the scene that you're going to be talking about later, Tom. Because like up until that point, she's kind of just one of these other dumb girls. And then it's yeah. like she just... She charges the, into the, action. The inner, the inner ninja that's inside of her comes out. And it's like, where in the world did that come from? Which shocks me not at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> that would just happen randomly. A strength. This is a goofy zombie horror film on an island. Like, it's just yeah. a goofy thing. And, like, I, I love that. Bernsey, 
Do you think this film took itself seriously? No. And so I think that is the only strength that I can really find other than finding humor and watching how bad it is now. Well, what um, about like all those kids? Like most of those kids deserve to die. Like that's yeah, the strength of the film, right? They, if, I, I a mean, bunch if, of dumb rich kids like on an island for this massive rave. Like if you like had a quota of needing to find strengths for this movie, yes, I will give you <laughs> that you can add that to your list of strengths. Good, yes. good. And Casey, what else have you got? Oh no, I was I, I was just saying and this goes into my next point too, but like I don't know if this film actually was trying to be goofy. I think it was they were trying to be serious be. with it and it's so bad it ended up being goofy. It could be. I mean that could be the case. Well Burns, what did you think of the writing and the acting in House of the Dead? Uh the writing was terrible, the acting was atrocious. Um I I hated the super short, heavily pixelated pixelated, like segments of the video game that they throw in for like two seconds those were all transitions i love those i thought it was like a (laughs) dumbest thing ever it was a weird homage to the source material like there's no story in house of the dead of the game but like you see brief snapshots of the game interspersed beneath and i'm like oh well that ties it to what it's supposed to be yeah but but what what it is doesn't match any of that at all so it just becomes even more jarring i think is what it is i mean there's also no characters in the game house of the dead like you're just looking at a screen and shooting zombies so like i i appreciated having that tie to the source material i guess but what if if they really wanted that to connect they needed some of the either first person or, or like really over the shoulder third person and have it set up like the shooting gallery like the actual video games would be a couple of times and then I would say that it would maybe make sense but they didn't even include anything like that to try to like really like pay homage to it with their actual the way they shot the film um, which I think was <laughs> was definitely a weakness I will also say <laughs> the the dollar store matrix shot of like you know they pause the action and then will rotate around the character in that action scene um and they did it for each character at one point in the movie for like a seven minute segment like this is like the longest slow action scene i've ever seen in a movie um it was just way too cheesy and dumb i disagree vehemently I thought that was awesome. It gave each one of the characters a brief moment. And then this weird, wonky, silly thing with all these forgettable characters, there's this big fight with the zombies where they're being overrun and all these like dumb people that don't know how to fight are suddenly killing all these zombies around them. And they each get this tiny little vignette that highlights like their character and like gives them a brief moment that this is Liberty and she matters. This is Simon. This is... I can't literally can't remember another name off this cast. Uh, but I thought... I also thought that moment was great like i i am at the exact opposite end of the spectrum as you (laughs) i just think it was it just looked super cheesy it looked bad um you know and maybe then maybe that's why i'm saying it didn't seem like they're taking it seriously because nobody in their right mind could think this looks awesome it did look awesome uve Uve bowl sure could (laughs) i think it's like i got my sweet iphone what can i do next guys (laughs) oh hold on stand still and i'm just gonna run around you real quick (laughs) what happens wait a minute i need another shot of zombie people running through the woods up on this hill which there's only one hill evidently on the island because it's the same gd hill and they just show zombies for some reason running past this hill over and over again (laughs) (laughs) film's expensive dude (laughs) 
So, uh, Brenzi, what would you say, uh, is, what is your opinion of Uwe Boll overall as a filmmaker? <laughs> I mean, he is a crap filmmaker making crappy films. Uh, that is, I think, mostly all he is. I haven't seen his entire filmography, but I've seen bits and pieces of enough that, like, that is the case. I mean... I don't think he was dealt a great hand. Like he found a niche where he could make some money and he leaned into it. And like, I have a lot of respect for him for making any kind of a profit off of these films. Like thinking about the two decades that we've watched over the last two shows with the exception of war games, like we are so far from where we started with video game movies. And the fact that he was handed a dozen of these to make in like eight years, like, yeah, they're not great movies, but I, I applaud him for, finding consistent work in this niche and not being a one-and-done director doing a crappy video game. Everybody that does quantity over quality, cheers to you. (laughs) (laughs) This is for you. Uh, I did think that the cast was terrible in this film. I thought that overall it was very, very silly, and while I enjoyed the ride, I thought that was a weakness of the film. Uh, One observation that I had... There are a bunch of topless chicks in this movie, yes. and like that's the first time that we've seen any nudity in any of the video game movies that we've discussed. And I just thought it was interesting to think about, like, what is the psychology or the reasoning or the economics behind nudity in films? It's probably how he made profit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did anyone like, like? I went to see a video game movie, and there were boobs in it, yeah. dude. <laughs> I mean, boobs. Resident Evil definitely like. <laughs> Toes the line very closely at like eight instances with Mila Jovovich, um, but never quite goes all that way. Um, I, I just think that it was definitely trying to be a B movie, and to you know to give like the the video game makers credit, like they probably know the video game property that House of the Dead is. So it's like we're not going to try to make a amazing representation of this universe like you know you would maybe say that resident evil or you'd maybe even say that tomb raider was right um because most people don't really give a crap about it they'd throw in a few quarters and play our game and then walk away from it so i can understand then well what are we going to get to try to draw people into this you know boobs 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 yeah well thankfully siskel and ebert always had a uh comprehensive roundup of breasts in cinema two nips way up i think that's what they always say right yeah yeah totally Casey. You you're excited <laughs> see that movie too uh casey is this a film that you enjoy in 2023 no and i think is it because you hate fun i don't think this this was fun i'd seriously i mean if they were trying to make it cheesy and campy and whatever Fantastic! You know what you and need maybe for this film. I completely film. missed the point, but this was like when Joey and I enjoyed Street Fighter. I felt like Street Fighter was trying to make it fun and like just goofy. And, no, they were trying to be very serious. serious in Street Fighter. See, I completely disagree on on <laughs> this. So, like, we're just you know in in disagreement on on the two movies, and I guess on what they were, and that's why Street Fighter ended up getting ranked a little bit higher, possibly than it should have last year. But there's no chance this is going to happen to this movie. <laughs> No way. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the worst movie that we watched in this go around. Your final thoughts. This was the worst movie this we watched in this go around. Disagree vehemently. But I will not say that it's the worst movie we've watched for all of this. So we'll we'll And we'll, I don't work, so that. I can filibust the ranking section. I got like all year, dude. I don't care. I don't sleep that much anyway, but I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I expected on this rewatch, but it is still hot garbage. Like 
Any anybody trying to tell you that it is anything better than hot garbage is the same type of person that would tell you that Daniel Craig is a terrible actor. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. I don't think I said he was a terrible actor. I think he just said I said that he sucks. You know, potato, <clears throat> potato. You put words in my mouth all the time, Kyle. I'm going to put <laughs> words in your mouth. No, it's, no, it's a one-way street, man. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't come back this way. Uh, I acknowledge uh, freely that this is not a good film, but I really enjoyed the ride. I think it's worth watching as a note that the connection between games and movies exists. Like, It's a silly thing. I think what you guys need for this film is to sit down, have a couple drinks, turn on the Tom and Terry, and just like listen to all my snarky comments, and it would really lift up the experience for you. You should do that with Street Fighter then. All right, we'll go back to back. Street Fighter and House of the Dead. You're on, dude. From here, we move on to Tom Awesome's top five. It's time now for... Tom Awesome's top five countdown. Five, four, three, two, one... For our top five today, I'm going to break down the top five scenes in 2000s video game movies. I did a bunch of extra credit for the show. Uh, I mean, it's not like I work. I got some free time on my hands. So I wound up watching, I think, a dozen video game movies. We only watched five that we're talking about for the show. But I watched a bunch more just to see what the full spectrum was. And I pulled out a handful of the best moments. So starting with number five. (laughs) Number five. Meatloaf's vampire orgy in Blood Rain. Uh, Meatloaf is a vampire, and Blood Rain needs to get something from him. And uh, um, like she walks into his abode, and he's just like surrounded by naked chicks. It's like, oh, okay. Uvi Bowl. There we go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it just I Meatloaf. <laughs> do anything for love, but I won't do that. Yes, actually, yeah. It's <laughs> just more of a paradise <laughs> by the dashboard lights, meatloaf, maybe. Uh, I actually didn't recognize him. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a big fat vampire dude. <laughs> and uh, I saw his name in the credits. I'm like, who the frick did meatloaf play? And like, yeah, it was vampire yeah. orgy guy. Yeah, and Bob. Bob has bleep tits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's his most recognizable film, film uh, portrayal. Cornelius? Number five, meatloaf's vampire orgy. Number four. Uh, the first person shooting sequence in Doom. It is, I think, the reason why I like the movie in the first place. It's just this really awesome sequence towards the end of the movie where you get like the traditional Doom point of view as he's running through corridors. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that's really the only thing I could think of that would be like an iconic scene from any of the 2000s movies I've seen for video games. Yeah, well, you missed one important one on the list, but we'll get there. Apparently. number So number five, Meatloaf's Vampire Orgy. Number four, the first person shooting sequence in Doom. Number three, the climax of DOA. Have either of you guys seen DOA? I have not. Nope. It uh, It's an interesting film. It follows... It, DOA is a fighting game franchise. Dead or Alive. Dead or Alive. video game series. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of women in it. It's been panned for being like hyper-sexualized. They actually made an offshoot game where the women just play volleyball and bikinis. And, mm-hmm. of course, there's volleyball scenes in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it follows four female protagonists uh, who are all extremely attractive. But they're also very powerful and competent fighters. And it follows them through the whole film. And the climax is the four of them fighting this old white dude, uh 
4v1. And it's just, it's a really interesting blend of strength with sex appeal. And I just, I loved how they blended those four characters together throughout the film. One of the characters, played by Jamie Presley, uh-huh. her dad is another character in the tournament. And he keeps like walking in on her and all these compromising situations with other women so he thinks that she's a lesbian it's just this running gag and one of the one of her friends really leans into it and it's just it's funny it's got a lot of heart it's got a lot of great fighting in it but the climax is uh a series of powerful women and it made me think of the scene in uh endgame where thanos is fighting all of the heroes and all of the women in the marvel cinematic Uh universe just pop up for their big girl power moment and like it always just kind of irritated me because uh it just seems so forced where doa like you're following these characters the whole time Uh it feels very natural like of course they're having this strong powerful moment at the end of the film because like they've been building up to it for the entire film they didn't just like pop in chop the dude's head off and say hooray girls so uh, doa better than endgame oh man <laughs> That's, you heard it here this is this is the person that later on is going to try to tell us that house of the dead is better than any of these other movies <laughs> Let's just, uh, let's just keep that in mind, folks. Yeah. Uh, probably not better than the whole film, but better than that scene okay, for certain. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, number two. <clears throat> number two, the second best film in 2000s, or the second best scene in 2000s video game movies, House of the Dead. <laughs> Liberty wades into the water with her knife. She's just met up with the other main characters, and uh, one of them swims out to a boat, and all of a sudden there's these super fast swimming zombies, and they're like gonna kill this dude up in the boat. And Liberty, who's never met this person before, takes her knife and like has it up above her head, and she goes charging into the water in her big uh, onesie, and it's like, oh, <laughs> she is ready for action. It's like she's never met this person. Like I'm sure a knife in water against super fast swimming zombies is just gonna be like super effective, and like that was the moment that turned. House of the Dead for me. It's like, oh, this movie is awesome. (laughs) Wow. Recapping my list. Number five, the meatloaf vampire orgy. Number four, the first person sequence of Doom. Number three, the climax of DOA. Number two, Liberty wading into the water with her knife. Honorable mentions. (laughs) The Name of the King was a legitimately terrible movie that was incredibly long and there's one big fight scene. The bad guys are these like beast people called Kurds. They're basically... Uh, Gamorians, uh, the pig dudes from Star okay. Wars. Interesting. And so, like, they're fighting like all the humans in this big battle, and they start loading up these slingshots, giant slingshots, like man-sized slingshots, and they start hurling curds, and they hover like two feet off the ground, and they shoot like a mile, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like skewering dudes on the way through. It's like, oh my god, this movie is horrible, and I want it to end now. But it just kept going and going and going. Uh, also, from the name of the king, I was struggling to fill out the list at first. So briefly in the top five was Jason Statham just kicking things. Uh, he does a lot of sweet kicks in that film. Like every fight scene, he kicks a bunch of dudes. Uh, <laughs> and one more honorable mention, this time from Alone in the Dark. There's actually a really cool standoff in uh, Christian Slater's apartment. Like uh, he has been rivals with his government entity for most of the film and like they come there to arrest him and then they're all ambushed by these zombies and these creatures and it's just a cool moment of them coming together and like everyone fighting against these zombies and like this highly trained military unit struggles with 20 zombies that are just like running at them randomly from the dark it's like oh well you guys should have maybe trained some at all well you know 
They needed to die, though, so that Christian Slater could be alone in the dark. Oh, oh yeah, good point. Yeah. That all makes sense now. Plot armor. Yeah. Or, well, plot opposite of plot armor. It's like you have to be killed for the plot. Yeah. Uh, plot uh, Operation Human Shield. Sure. Yeah, all right. I couldn't come up with anything, so I can't knock you. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> number five, Meatloaf's Vampire Orgy. Number four, the first person sequence in Doom. Number three, the climax of DOA. Number two, Liberty and House of the Dead. The number one scene in video game movies. This comes from Far Cry. There is a scene. Far Cry mainly follows one ex-military dude who's now a boat captain and one hot reporter who is looking for her uncle who's trapped in the stronghold where they're making killer mutant soldiers. So the ex-military dude and the reporter are in this scene where they're being chased by all these military personnel. They drive a flaming, flaming Jeep off a cliff, plunge into the ocean. All right, so they're wet, all right? They're wet. It's cold. It's night. They find this cabin. They break in, and then there's just this most incredibly awkward and quickly escalating scene. They're in these wet clothes, so they have to strip down, right? So uh, the chick is super modest and, like, wants him to turn around and like she jumps under the covers and like he takes off his clothes and like he's like you know in the military sometimes when it's really cold we have to share body heat <laughs> do you mind if i come in it's so, like he gets under the covers and like there's a shot of him looking at her and a shot of her looking at him and then like a couple more awkward things and then he's like well you know it'd really be better if like we were together to conserve body heat and she's like like spooning he's like yeah i guess you could call it that and then two seconds later, they're making out. <laughs> of course. Two seconds later, the scene is over. They're walking down the street in the daylight. And literally the next thing he says, 10 seconds after the start of this awkward scene. So how was I last night? <laughs> wow. It was. What a great movie. It was just jaw dropping. <laughs> it, uh, it was just a hilarious moment. Far Cry is actually a pretty legitimate, like, uh, 80s army movie. It was a fun ride. So you said top five scenes. You didn't say top five like best scenes. These are just the top five scenes. The best scenes. So the, the top yeah. five scenes that came to Tom's mind. So then yeah. it makes sense in that context, and I think we're good. <laughs> Burns, your words are hurtful. Oh, so what's the uh, top five scenes that came to your mind across these films, Burns? I don't know. They were like so unmemorable that I couldn't really think of many. Other than the first person sequence in Doom was legitimately pretty great, um, and Liberty. And I remembered, I remembered like the the Mila Jovovich wall running, kicking the dog in the head type of thing. Uh, that was the only other thing that like stood out to me um, out of everything. I would say I thought when I was reading through this and which which ones you, you had on there, the one that actually came to my mind was Angelina Jolie and the acrobatic. Yeah, the, in the pajama mansion. fight scene. Yeah, so that was that was the only one that popped into my mind, and that we kind of talked about that earlier, and how that's a that's a pretty good. For scene. some reason, the most memorable scene of that movie is Daniel Craig dying and undying over and over, even though it only really happens once in the movie. I just remember it being like on repeat for some reason. <laughs> So Why? I don't know. If it's, okay. I don't know if it's like if I watched some stupid like YouTube video where they did that for some reason. I don't know, but I don't know. That's the only. That's the only did he actually thing. die in that film? Well, because he died, and then she reverses time, and uh, she brings him back. Right? Yeah, she grabs yeah. a knife and twists. Yeah. It and... <laughs> well, those were the top five iconic scenes in 2000s video game movies. Burns. I think she could have done a better job when she twisted that knife around too. It like hits him like in the upper shoulder. Like definitely not like a 
like mortal wound or anything like that. I don't know. She should have been better. She's supposed to like get out a laser pointer and like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is where it's going. Just, just, just you know, tilt it a little bit more, like chest level. I don't know. She had all the time in the world because yeah. it didn't stop until she let go. So she should have just like moved him. I guess not the knife. Maybe maybe she should have just like grabbed him, <laughs> him and stuck him right in the front of it. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, next up, we are going to discuss Doom, released in 2005. Oh, man, I should have practiced this one. Directed by Andrzej Bartkowiak. Close enough. I think it's usually just Andre. Andre. It's probably Bartkowiak. Andre Bartkowiak. <laughs> Thank you to my friends who know how to read. Primarily a cinematic... Uh, Cinematic hour. <laughs> I'll just draw pictures for the rest of the podcast. Burns, you got hosting duties, so he's primarily a cinematographer. See, I can't even say it. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard, good. right? See, I made you feel better. Yeah, dude has eleven directing credits. He has forty-one cinematographer credits. His debut film was Romeo Must Die I in two thousand. Romeo Must Die. All right. <laughs> <laughs> he also did the timeless classic, The Legend of Chun Li. This film stars Carl Urban as John Grimm. He has 53 acting credits, including Hercules and Xena, Ghost Ship, Dread and the Sea Beast. That covers pretty much everything, right? Star Wars. Or Star Trek, excuse me. Star Trek. He's Bones in the new Star Trek movies. Um, and then uh, he's, he's... No, I got uh, all the big ones. Yeah. He's the Butcher. Butcher in the Boys. In the yeah. Boys. I thought it was a pretty funny joke. Yeah, of course, he was in The Lord of the Rings, too. Yeah, a lot of stuff. He's, he was in The Lord of the Rings? Yeah, he was uh, one of the horse dudes. He was uh, one of the prominent oh, yeah. horse dudes. One of the Rohirrim. He was a, he was a centaur? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not, oh, not literal not, horse hyphen dude. <laughs> not Eowyn, but like, is it Eowyn's brother, Eomer? Eomer. Eomer, yeah. Yeah, no, he's a, he's a real prominent writer of Rohan. Got it. Uh, Roseman Pike as Samantha Grimm. She has 60 credits, including Foil's War, Die Another Day. She was a Bond girl. The Big Year, The World's End, Jack Reacher, and Wheel of Time. And also what, uh, Gone Girl? If you've seen that movie, right? Isn't that Gone Girl? Yeah. The one with... Um... Yeah. Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck. Yeah. That's what... Yeah. <laughs> couldn't think That's of probably... Even though that might not have showed up in like the top four, like that's probably her most recognizable. I mean, that was her biggest starring role, I would say. Um, she's like creepy in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a good movie. I would highly recommend that. Don't watch it with the kids, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't really watch a lot of movies with them that aren't animated. Also featuring Dwayne Johnson as Sarge with a hundred acting credits, including WWE SmackDown, Jumanji, and The Mummy Returns. So that's a question. Would Jumanji, the new Jumanji movies, would those qualify as video game movies? I mean, uh, Jumanji, Jumanji is a board game. But in the... Because have you seen the new ones? Because mm-hmm. the new yeah. ones, it's a it's a video game yeah. in that. Um, yeah, I guess I have about a year to figure that out. Okay. Because that... I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Well, yeah. 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 We'll th- think. We'll think. Yeah. Hey, thanks for complicating things, Burns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah totally. Yeah. Just, just something <laughs> to think about. Yeah. In Doom, space marines are sent to investigate strange events at a research facility on Mars, but find themselves at the mercy of genetically enhanced killing machines. This film, like most of the others, has a Metacritic rating of 34, with one positive review, 13 mixed, and 14 negatives. USA Today wrote, for a big screen disposable, Doom has a few jolts, a few good laughs, and attractive female lewd... Lewd. Lewd female. <laughs> female lead <laughs> to whom you want to say, what's a nice girl like you doing on a Mars like this? 
Entertainment Weekly. By hewing close to James, Cam James Cameron's Aliens playbook, Doom manages to escape the game-to-movie curse that afflicted Resident Evil, House of the Dead, and, well, every other movie based on a game. <laughs> New York Post. Basically, a deadly dull rehash of Resident Evil, which in turn was a third-generation clone of Aliens. Uh, I don't see that at all, but... Yeah. Well, that was reviewer, that was paid for their words. Burns, a year history with Doom. I mean, Doom is one of those classic video games of all time. I think it was like ever, one of the first games that I fell in love with. Doom and yeah. uh, Warcraft Two. I remember getting it, was, it must have been with a, a magazine or something. I, I got like the freeware version of Doom. You know when they they gave you the first like first chapter of the game, which was like still fifteen levels. It was really all you really needed, and then you could like enter a code online to buy the other two kind of thing. Um, Wolf of Design 3D is still like what I always preferred, but Doom, you know, definitely is a classic and the progenitor of a genre um, with first person shooters and everything like that. Um, I actually don't think I'd ever seen this full movie before. I'd seen scenes from it before, but I actually don't think I'd ever actually watched all of Doom. So this was the only one out of these five movies that I hadn't watched before. Yeah, I, very similar. I, I've seen, I think, the last 30 minutes of it. So I saw like the, the where it switches to first person and then goes back. Yeah. I, I, I saw all that, and I remember when I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen all this again. Uh, but I have no experience playing any of the Doom games. You didn't play the games? Like, they were all over our high school, dude. Uh, I remember playing it in the wood shop. Yeah, never played it. What? I know. Yeah. Should we like go stop the show and like go fire up the Xbox right now? And he's never played video games, so I don't know why you're surprised, Tom. I mean, that's a funny joke and all, but Doom, dude. I know. I've never played Doom, like any of them. Wild, right? Thomas. Thomas. Thomas is like uh, just stunlocked. Yeah, stunlocked. Like a guy who hasn't seen like. A thousand movies that he should see. Shocked that the guy hasn't played Doom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, come on. Blade Runner's all fun and fine and great and everything. And I'll watch it eventually, but you haven't played Doom? I'd say I'm right in that side of the equation. I am truly flabbergasted. Like, truly. Uh, I love the game. Uh, played it everywhere, forever. Uh, I watched the movie within years of it coming out. I actually enjoyed it. I'm like, oh, it's a good video game movie. And so I bought it. And then I didn't watch it again for 15 years until we were doing the show. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And watching it again, what stands out to me, it's not terrible. Uh, it's very alien. Like, uh, I caught that in a couple of the different review snippets. Like, yeah. uh, they're running around these corridors in space with a big name cast. All right. Yeah. Cool. I definitely picked up on the aliens vibes, too. Um, that was like... One of the first things I thought of when you know you have the scene where they're all waiting to go on shore leave or whatever, and then it's like, nope, it's canceled. The Rock says, <laughs> and then they're like, all right, let's strap on and let's get out there. That's not exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a different movie, <laughs> but, but he said something like that. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I remember as I was watching it, thinking like, it's specifically like the corridor scenes when they're going through and they're like, yeah, kind of like scanning with their weapons. They don't have the hand scanner like making the noise and everything. But I'm like, this is, could 
be easily an alien movie and then I, that was before I saw the critics compared to aliens and then Tom compared to aliens so yeah everybody is obviously on the same page with that one um, yeah and I think like in today's age like as far as where Rock is now in his career I think I think that if this script came out now he would probably turn it down <laughs> I don't know I mean it wasn't that long ago we made that dumb movie with the semis a dumb movie with the semis uh, it was like an action film where he and a young semi-driver had to drive semis to do something. I swear to God, it's a rock film. Mm-hmm. I saw it in the theater, and it was terrible. <laughs> I have no idea you what sure you're talking about. sure that was The Rock, about? and it wasn't Sylvester Stallone, and it wasn't over the top, <laughs> and he was actually doing arm wrestling with people a lot? <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm just sure. curious. Talk amongst yourselves. I'm looking up The Rock's IMDb to figure out what the heck you're talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. Somewhere between 2008 and today. What? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I will say about this that also struck me is I thought this, the graphics were super solid. I think this was one of the better examples of, especially with all of the CGI-esque creatures that they had. Um, and some of them were like complete CGI. I don't know if, if some of them were like touched up practical effects. But I think they were all, they all did a fantastic job of creating those. And I, I guess I don't know. I, I was going to look into it, but I never did. I don't know if like id actually helped with doing any of the CGI uh, with this movie, because uh, I could have seen that maybe being the case. Yeah, that would have been interesting to know. Uh, and I agree, like the the effects definitely weren't bad, and nothing in this film super stood out to me. So I like I wasn't blown away when I first saw the Matrix. Like, wow, these effects are awesome. Right, right. Uh, but there definitely wasn't anything bad with it. Would you consider that one of the highest strengths of the film? I think that's up there. Um, I, I also like the biggest thing I walked away from this. And I was already like a Carl Urban fan to some extent, but I, I don't know. I just really enjoy like him in these types of movies. I think he has like the right kind of, he has the right kind of charisma that matches up to doing things like this. I really need to see Dread now. That's like a movie I haven't seen yet that I've heard a lot of people say that that is like the uh, best like Dread, like Judge Dread movie. And so I really want to check that out now, too. But I, th- I thought he was a really good aspect of this movie. Oh, man, we'll have to do a Dread show. That would be great. <laughs> um, Any luck there, Mr. Google? No, nothing. No, I'm, I'm only on G.I. Joe Retaliation in 2013. Oh, <laughs> well, that was what it was. <laughs> <laughs> still still scanning. He was in Transformers. Were you, was he with Optimus Prime? Was that the semi you're talking about? <laughs> nope, not the semi I was talking about. Rock has the touch. Bomb, bomb. Rock has the power! <laughs> Doom was a very masculine franchise, and so I thought it was interesting that Rosamund Pike had such a uh, heavy focus in this film. I lovingly called her Dr. Boobs because like, her shirt was incredibly skin-tight, and uh-huh. like, yeah, she looks like just like any scientist that I've ever seen walking around on planet Earth. <laughs> She's like that in a lot of movies. I should like, watch more Rosamund Pike films. You should, like, especially uh, it's, in that it's, um, time frame. What's the oh, the Tom Cruise movie that she's in? And she's like Mission Impossible. No, um, Minority Report. Jack Reacher. Oh yeah, she's in the very first Jack Reacher, and like it's the same thing. Like she's a, a lawyer, and she's like just walking around with like this tight shirt with like. It's like, uh, huh? <laughs> hey, gotta win the cases yeah, somehow. Gotta flaunt them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I thought she was good. It was a pretty good cast. Uh, I loved the first person sequence. I mentioned it in my top five. That was a major selling point in this film and one of the reasons that I originally wanted to own it. Uh, and I also thought it had the most unique character out of any of these films that we watch. As much as I loved Liberty, the sleazy dude in Doom is the character that sticks with me the most because like, you love to hate him, but he was... He's a character that stuck with me, which I cannot say about any of the other films. What, what, what was it about him that stuck with you? Just everything about him was just like set my hair on edge and like he was just creepy. this vile, creepy creature that was like on the team of good guys. And like, you know that he's not a good guy, but uh-huh. it's like, is it within, how do you define the morality in that? Is like good within terms of military dudes or like good as a, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I was watching him the whole film. I'm like, man, what is this freaky dude going to do next? So... Was he the most evil of the Marines, or was not by Sarge the end of the film, but the most evil of the Marines, just in totality? Uh, Sarge was following orders. That was his motivation, right? Like he was supposed to shut everything down and like make sure that nothing escaped. So, like, uh, in very black and white terms, I can. Uh, the movie is called The Snitch. I love my wife. Snitch. <laughs> the rock film was called The Snitch, uh, and it features a lot of driving semis. Not to be confused with Snatch, which has no semis in it. Yeah. So Sarge, in, if in a world of purely black and white, like he has a job to do, and he's going to do it at all costs. And while, yeah, he was wrong, and that's why he's the antagonist, mm-hmm. uh, like at the very lowest degree, I can understand where he was coming from. The freaky dude is like... I don't know what's coming next from this guy. Like he is a wild card, which you think would resonate with me, right? Like I like <laughs> a little bit of chaos, but like that dude was just a bad mojo, and uh, I thought it made him really interesting. Who was your Who was your favorite then of the non main character Marines for both of you? For me, it was Demolition. I thought that he was really interesting. He was paired up with the creepy dude for a lot of the film. Yep. He ends up dying in this like fighting ring, and is a really cool scene. And I thought uh, uh, I thought he had a pretty interesting arc and. I mean, it's sad to see a character you like go, but he went out in a pretty memorable way. Yeah, yeah, I think Demolition was was uh, right up there too. I liked uh, I can't remember his name, but the 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 butcher guy, like who's <laughs> Reaper. Re- uh, yeah, is that his his name? Like I can't even think of the actor's yeah. name who we just talked about before who plays yeah. Bill Butcher. Yeah, and, Carl uh, Urban. Yes. Yeah. So yes, his character would be my other no favorite. i said non-main oh, character non-main marine. character marine I guess yeah I, I like the main protagonist I, the question. <laughs> I thought you were talking about basically anybody other than the rock yeah, and no, rosamund pike character marine <laughs> so like the supporting marines then the guy tom said okay <laughs> it was cool because that scene that scene in the pit was really cool um and, and i thought he was maybe gonna pull it out at one point um I think the most interesting one to me was Goat. Which um, one is Goat? So Goat was the super religious guy that swore, then cut like a cross into his arm. Oh yeah, yeah, that was good. And then yeah, like he turned died, zombie, and then turned, but like had the cognizance to know that he was turning, and like offed himself in a pretty dramatic and kind of gruesome way, but. Uh, I, I just thought that that was a really kind of neat aspect of having this character sort of still being the character even moving forward um, and how that connects to 
what was causing these things to mutate supposedly i think was also interesting seeing as how he was supposedly religious and christian and all that stuff i thought that was neat for a movie that i thought was just fine uh they had interesting characterizations on this team of Marines where like you generally just think of like these generic space Marines out doing their thing. And uh, they mostly had their own unique bent that didn't feel like caricatures. They felt Mm -hmm. like real possible people thrown into this situation together. Yeah. And I remember like watching that first scene of them all like sitting there, um, you know, in like the, the bunkhouse or whatever. Um, I remember seeing the creepy guy. Was it Portman or something like that? I I can't remember his name was, but, uh, I was like, he doesn't look like a Marine. <laughs> like, why is this skeevy guy here? He's like a dirtier, creepier Steve Buscemi. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, a couple of things that didn't strike a chord with me in this film. I thought it had an unusually strong disconnect from the source material. Like, they're on Mars. They mentioned the BFG. The end. There, there's all of your Doom experience and the first-person sequence towards the end of the movie. Yeah. like the No fact, demons. No demons at all. Well, so the fact that they were mutants, though they tried to, like, throw, like, a little bit of a bone because, like, the mutation... Like, so the, the serum that was causing them to mutate, if, if the person was, like, right and just, then it would give them superpowers and make them, like, a super soldier. But if they weren't, if they had any sort of, like, evil or anything within them, then it would turn them into a mutant, which is kind of, like, almost leading to, like, the demon sort of idea. So I can see maybe how that that could be construed that way. But, yes, it's, you know, nothing that's, like, opening the doors to hell, like, which is kind of sort of predominantly doom, you know, what that is. Uh, so I think they did miss a little bit on that. Do you think that was a storytelling decision or do you think that was a political decision of not wanting to be like condemned by the church and having to fight all these legal hassles to see the light of day? That's probably a lot of it and not to have it like be condoned by all these churches and have pastors on Sunday seeing this, this demon show, doom, don't go see it, you know, which <laughs> you're probably not going to have the hyper-religious being like your target audience for going to see, you know, a gruesome first person shooter movie anyway. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I could see it would be a, a consideration probably. Sure. Well, speaking of the mutations, what were your thoughts on mutating rock Sarge when he gets all juiced up? Yeah. Uh, it just looks dumb and funny. <laughs> uh, it's like, I, I like how it was like a slow transition over to it, but it just it just ended up looking just weird and goofy too much. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. What about Duke? So, like Duke, I I liked Duke as a character. He so he he originally thinks that uh, Sam, the the Doctor Boobs, as you put her, um, was. Uh, like an ex-wife of Reapers, but found out that it was his sister. And so he was like, just down for that, (laughs) Um, which I thought was fun and interesting, but he's a terrible Marine. Like he's there like in the medical bay with her and all this stuff's going on. And he's not radioing to anybody to let them know, Oh, Hey, remember that guy that tried to attack us and then he died. And now he's disappeared. Like, I'm not going to report that. Sarge comes back and says, what the hell happened here? And it's just like, Oh yeah, that guy ran away. You know, Sarge comes back later. There's like a demon in the, in the door and like, and the other guy's dead. It's just like, Oh yeah, let us catch you up on all this stuff that's happened when we could have just radioed you and told you like we probably should have. It's just, like do your job man 
<laughs> like everybody else is radioing whenever they see something, anything, and Duke's just like, "Oh yeah, all this stuff's happening." But what do you think about this chick? Huh? <laughs> Staring at boobs. Yep, yep. You know, laying on top of her on the floor for a little bit after saving her life, kinda. Yeah. Well, no, he was mostly running for his life. Yeah, she and saved just ended him up on top of her. But yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the hero. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Percy, is this a film that you enjoy in 2023? I actually enjoyed it a lot. Um, lots of the acting and the, uh, and the Space Marines and the interactions of them, I think, was fun to follow. Uh, so, I, I don't know. I think it was admirable. Like, I think it, it did a good job of being like an Aliens-like experience. So, Pat, you, sh- you should check it out. Even if you've never played Doom. I bet you, Doom's probably out on the Wii, right? So oh, definitely. Pat, yeah. Pat's played it. Um, so you, you should definitely check out Doom, I think. Yeah. It scratched that itch for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Casey, is this a film that you enjoyed in 2023? I didn't think it was as bad as I, as I thought it would be. Um, and I'm glad I got to see the whole movie instead of just the ending. So it, I'm glad it was on our list. Yeah, I mean, you could have teamed up with Brian. He could have watched the opening credits. You could have watched the last five minutes and... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Could have had a discussion about it. I read the cliff notes. <laughs> I read the synopsis. It's apparently about mutants on Mars. Yeah. yeah. Sounds pretty really interesting. The Mars and, and the mutants. <laughs> I didn't think this film was bad either. Uh, I'm probably never going to watch it again. I've owned it for a long time on DVD, and it's like, I think I'm ready to let this film go. It's like, yeah, it wasn't bad, but like, I don't know if I'll ever fire it up again. I could see myself watching it again if, like, if, if, like, I was in the right mindset or wanted to try to see that. I mean, it was the most accessible of all of them to watch because it was actually on Prime for free. So if you have Prime, like, you could actually watch it. Whereas all the other ones, it seemed like you had to, you know, <laughs> find find some other means to try to track things down. So You could have borrowed my copy. I own it. Yeah, but it was free on Prime. It was yeah. easy. Yeah, but I could have been like, boop. Yeah. Here you go. Then I'd have to, like, connect my dvd player to my oh i didn't offer it to you dude or (laughs) (laughs) i think what's going on with your eye do you have pink eye no it's something's in it yeah do you want joey to spit in it would that help no i think it started yesterday when we were yep definitely pink eye no we were doing the logo doing doing venison like making uh like hamburger and stuff up at deer camp and i'm pretty sure uh, i touched like yeah something in my eye and it's just been irritated ever since e coli in your eye yeah e coli yes i got uh chronic wasting disease in my eye cwd yeah speaking of things that'll uh kill you if you consume them too frequently max Payne. (laughs) (laughs) max Payne, the most recent of these films released in 2008 it was directed by John Moore. He has eight directing credits, Behind Enemy Lines, Flight of the Phoenix, and A Good Day to Die Hard. I haven't seen any of those films. I gotta look it up now. Was you it? Gotta, Behind Enemy Lines is a fantastic movie. Yeah, that's uh, Owen Wilson in like a serious action role, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. That's a good movie. And I don't think I've seen A Good Day to Die Hard. I would have assumed that you had, given your penchant for movies and for action. And I've seen all the other Die Hard movies, but I don't think I've seen that one. It was written by Bo Thorne and Sam oh. Sam Lake. Thorne, it's his only writing credit. That's a great sign. And uh, Sam Lake is actually uh, a very important person with Remedy. Yep. Remedy, who makes 
Uh, Max Payne in a no- number of games. He wrote the original Max Payne game, and I think Max Payne 2. He yep. was the creative director for Control, one of my absolute favorite games. And he was the director for Alan Wake 2, which is a contender for Game of the Year this year. Yeah, he's been one of the main head honchos of Remedy Entertainment since it started. So, so yeah. It's, it, and it makes sense that he... I could kind of tell from watching this movie that it was similar to Wing Commander, that someone who had a strong tie to the source material was a part of making the movie pretty uh, pretty closely. Um, and I will go back to that. You should never watch A Good Day to Die Hard. It is an abomination. It's terrible. All right. It is, it is the fifth and final Die Hard movie, and it is not worth it. It was. It very clearly felt like it was something that was supposed to be some other action movie, and it just wasn't good enough. So they're like, "All right, let's wedge John McClane into this somehow." There we go. (laughs) So it was. It was pretty. It was pretty terrible. I was disappointed. Yeah, just like Max Payne, starring Mark Wahlberg, Mila Kunis, and Bo Bridges. I didn't write down their acting credits because it's an A-list cast, right? Like everyone knows who all three of those actors are, right? Am I right? Yeah, like Mila Kunis from. that 70s show and the voice of Meg from Family Guy. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yep. And Mark Wahlberg, the burger um, progenitor at Wahlburgers. Um, <laughs> you know, and Bo Bridges, the brother of Jeff Bridges. Is it really his brother? I think so. Oh, yeah. They look similar-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Tragic detective Max Payne teams up with an assassin to solve a series of bizarre murders around New York. A failed pharmaceutical product is essentially creating reavers and Max has to clean up the streets. Reavers from uh, Firefly. Spoiler alert. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the reference there. I did that for you, Casey. Got it. Because we have that connection now. Yes. This film has a Metacritic rating of thirty-one, with two positive, nine mixed, and fourteen negative. <clears throat> the Seattle Post Intelligencer said a dumb film filled with a great conceptual hook from a director who visualizes better than he dramatizes. And I'd just like to point out that was one of the two positive reviews. <laughs> the New York Post. This attempts to out-matrix the Matrix with bullet time, super slow-mo, are staged with such theatrics that they are unintentionally funny. This movie also has Blade Runner on its mind and Raymond Chandler, but mostly it's a weak little sister to Sin City. I don't have see any Blade Runner comparisons, but I definitely see Sin City comparisons. Yeah. USA Today, Max Payne couldn't be more appropriately named. <laughs> Sitting through this stylish-looking but derivative vacuous, 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 and bullet-riddled movie inflicts maximum pain. I had never played a Max Payne game. I'd never watched a movie. Casey, same boat? Same boat. No history with either. Yeah, I, I, I played the first game for sure uh, when it came out on PlayStation 2. But other than the bullet time stuff and basic background of the character, I don't remember much about the moment-to-moment gameplay, other than that there was a decent amount of gunplay and stuff like that. So there's bullet time stuff in oh, the Oh, yes. Game. That's the big hook. That is, like, it is. That, okay. that is like quintessentially what that video game was. So that's why they did that's it. That's the why movie. they did it. And okay. So that's like you had to do it, which is if somebody didn't really know that from the video game, I could see why you'd think that was just thrown in there. And it probably was thrown into the video game after the Matrix came out and was like, that's super cool. Let's make that a huge element of the video game. So, yeah, that is that is why it was included. That makes more sense yep. now, for sure. What stands out viewing this film for the first time for Casey and me and uh, for the first time in a long time for Bernsey? I thought there were some cool noir shots. Like, 
there are a couple of cinematographic there are a couple of shots that are really good i'm gonna <laughs> stop with fancy words <laughs> casey no, i was shocked by the the cast like that just there were a lot of people in here besides like Chris O'Donnell just all of a sudden shows up <laughs> out of nowhere. And, um, I forget her name, but she's one of the bond girls. Uh, uh Olga the... Karolinko. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, Hey, I know her. It was yep. like, yeah, just more and more people kept showing up. I'm like, Holy crap. There are just a ton of people. in yep. this. She's in this uh, been in, she's been in, uh, another, uh, video game franchise movie. Any guesses is, or remem- remembrances as to what that is. Resident- Not one that we've watched, but, it's so not a sequel of Resident that. Evil. Correct. No. Well, oh, she maybe was in one of those two, but she was in the Hitman movie. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't know, have gotten that with a hundred guesses. Like Twenty thirteen, I think, or something like that. So. Oh, good. We can watch it next year. Yeah, we could. We could. Yeah, it's my man, Fastbender. I don't think. If yeah, I I've seen it. It's not that bad. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I was excited to watch this. This is the movie that I brought to the table. It's like, oh look, I wrote Max Payne wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is the movie that I brought because I was always intrigued by it. I never played the game, so I knew I wasn't going to be burdened by like nerd rage with this film. I love Mark Wahlberg, and I thought he was the biggest strength of this film. Um, but that was it for me, and we can start going down my list of grievances soon. Bernsey, was there much that you enjoyed in this film? Uh, so this was by far the most stylistically shot of all of the movies that we've watched, I feel like. Um, I mean, this from- or House of the Dead... Yeah, I mean, so this was successfully stylistically shot, I guess would be the way to put it. Uh, It's also a pretty solid revenge-driven detective story, uh, a little bit light on the detective, much more heavy on the revenge aspect of it. Uh, Like I said before, the bullet time sequences are essential to have into here, and so the the fact that they added that a couple times was nice. Um, And then another strength, Luda! Yeah, Ludacris. That was another one. He yeah. showed up. I'm like, what the? Yeah. Ludacris is in this movie. Yeah. yeah, he's like, he's like the kind of key, like detective that yeah. helps tie everything together by the end of it. So yeah, I didn't recognize him at all. You didn't recognize Ludacris? No, Tom. You got you got to get more hip. <laughs> I think the ship sailed on that one, my I'm friend. Hip. I'm with it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie. <laughs> Uh, Casey, best strength from this film? Um, well, now that I know the bullet time stuff was <laughs> in, in the game, I mean, I, the strength of this, uh, I don't know. I can't think of any strengths. Yeah, but, it's over. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need, more, need more Bond girl. That's. <laughs> yeah. Need more Olga. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was the strength of this movie. <laughs> Uh, she was in and out in a moment. Uh, Bernsey, your thoughts on Mila Kunis, an actress that I enjoy. Um, what do you think of her uh, role in Max Payne? Yeah, I mean, so fresh off of that 70s show at this point in time, uh, it seems like this was maybe her first sort of foray into dramatic performance. I, I didn't, didn't double check that on IMDb to make sure, but it felt like it because uh, she was not ready to play anything like this super tough gangster chick, yeah. I guess, right, would be what she would be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Other than the fact that it seemed like she did speak pretty flawless Russian, um, other than that, it didn't really seem like she fit as that character. Yeah, I thought her as an action star was definitely a weakness. Uh, the basic premise of drugs are bad, it's like, okay, is that what we're hanging this movie on? Drugs are bad. Unless you're Max Payne, 
then drugs are good. Okay. <laughs> well, because, like, at the end, you know, he's, like, freezing after getting out of the water, and then he drinks it, and then he's like, oh, he's glowing. <laughs> so, yeah, drugs are good, apparently, for him. No, yeah, okay. And for the, whatever the guy's name, Lupino or yeah, whatever, the, the big bag dude. Not yeah. the real big bad, but the... So even the drugs are bad messages confused in this very terrible film. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and the big bad, like, they tried to hide who it was, but it was very apparent from, like, the beginning of the film. Like, the first time they're on screen, I'm like, it's him. Oh, yeah. No, a thousand percent. Like, I think, I did think they tried to make it seem like the, the, this guy's, yeah, no, this guy's, this guy's good. This guy's helping, you know? But it's like, no, it's pretty apparent instantly that that's the case. Yeah, no, he's not a sellout at all. I don't care how high up his office is and how much yeah. fancy stuff he has in while, well, like, Max barely scrapes by. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, he'll help in any way except for, like, buying a cheeseburger for that protagonist. Like, even in, even in Iron Man 2, there was a moment early on that you thought Obadiah was not, like, a bad guy. That was an Iron Man 2. Yeah, that was Iron Man that 2, was not two. Iron Man 1. Yeah. But, but I mean, it came fairly apparent pretty quickly that he was going to be, like, the, the, the adversary. Um, Actually, no, that's one. Was it one? Yep. Yeah, because he comes back from... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, two, two was whiplash. whiplash. Yep. Yeah. We have the same brain, my friend. Yep. What does whiplash, that say about you, Bernie? Whiplash ruined the Grand Prix there almost as bad as Las Vegas ruined their Grand Prix. Oh. You know? oh, 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 oh topical humor for you all. <laughs> Casey, was this a film that you enjoyed in 2023? Um, n- not really. I mean, it, it, it it wasn't good, unfortunately. I, I wanted it to be good. Like they were for all the people that were in it, it should have been good, but. It's funny, like, everything I've said about this film has been negative, uh, but the initial impression that I wrote down after watching the film was, yes, it's a bad movie. It is a bad film, but overall, I enjoyed the ride. So, like, there were some cool shots, and, uh, like, just watching Max do his thing, it's like, all right, well, I guess I don't need that 90 minutes of my life back. It was fun to watch, but it did get a little long, um... You know, and all these, every single one of these movies, I think, except for House of the Dead, were an hour and 40 minutes long. And th- this felt long well, at the end of it. You, you say that, and it's funny, because I was watching it on just, like, some bootleg site that I found it on. And the first stream that I found, for some reason, said it was three hours and 42 minutes long. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the world? <laughs> and thankfully, it was, like, it was kind of glitchy, so I think, I don't know, like, what, you know, like... <laughs> If it would have taken that long, if I'd have kept watching it, it probably would have. So I found another one, and it was like an hour and 42. Yeah. And it was like, okay, thank God. <laughs> I can't even imagine. So where does it end up on the scrolling test, Casey? Like, it's 11.47 on a Friday night. The kids are asleep. You're scrolling through the channels. It's like Tomb Raider, House of the Dead, Street Fighter, and then you come to Max Payne. <laughs> I'm definitely skipping Max Payne and going to one of the other ones, or I'm going to watch something on the Discovery Channel instead. Okay. So I have a hypothesis that I need to weigh out here, okay? So I'm going to say in the hotness scale, you're going to put Angelina Jolie first, Mila Jovovich second, Mila Kunis third then. Because it seems like the movies that he stops on more often... 
the oh, he's got you figured out, actresses. dude. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I don't apparently think Asian chicks do that, nothing, but for maybe him. subconsciously it is. Oh man, yeah, that's probably right. There you go. Where's Doom fit into that then? Would you stop on Doom? <laughs> As often as less often than Tomb Raider, but more often than Resident Evil. Uh, no, I gotta hope Jack Reacher's on so I can get. Because my... <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jack, Reach, Jack Reacher's a much better movie than Doom, okay. and it has the same hotness in it. <laughs> so, more, more into lawyers than scientists. We got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we figured him out, and Bernsey. So this is the movie out of all of these that's probably stayed like. As true to the source material as possible, at least as far as I can remember anyway. Um, except for the fact that it doesn't have nearly as much action as the game does in the first half. But um, that was probably actually a detriment to it. Kind of like how like the Zack Snyder Watchmen movie. If you're not a fan of like the Watchmen graphic novel, like he's like way too like true to the graphic novel in that i think this is kind of the same type of thing where they try to make it too much like the video game and forget that they're trying to make an entertaining movie i will say like when he finally takes the drugs and uh-huh. like comes out at that action sequence after that i was like yeah uh-huh. <laughs> now we're talking because yeah everything i kind of building up to that was just really slow yeah. and then, yeah then it just like unleashed and it was well because like, it's all like, right that's cool the first half of the movie there's like so little action if any yeah. and then all of a sudden it's just like oh hey he finally is starting to get the answers that he wants and then okay Non-stop action from here on out, kind of, you know. Uh, so it was, it was interesting, a little imbalanced in that, in that, from that perspective. But for me, it's goodbye forever, Max Payne, because like I don't imagine that I can play the games. I would be interested in playing the original Max Payne as a piece of like video game history, but I don't know if I can find it anywhere. And if not, like, Sayonara, it's Max. It's one of those that's so like it's such like a fan favorite. At some point, there will be some remaster of it or remake of it. I would guarantee, especially with as well as Remedy is doing right now, you know, with you know Control popping off like it did, and Alan Wake Two being as popular as it is, I could see them jumping back to their roots. The only thing is, it's a little tricky because I think they were like I think Rockstar published Max Payne, and so there's some trickiness as to who owns the IP for it or not. Um, so that would be the only kind of hang up there. But I could see it coming back at some point in some way. I mean, that'd be nice. It's a 20 year old game. Like lots of worse games have been remade. That is true. That is definitely true. Well, that is our discussion on the five video game movies that we've watched. Now we're gonna spend the next. 40-ish minutes ranking all the video game movies that we've watched over the last three shows. It's important to keep it in that time frame so that this show can also go up on YouTube. I don't think it's going to take that long. Awesome. So here are where our rankings stand going into this. The 80s and 90s video game movies ranked from 1 to 9 are number 1, War Games. Number 2, Super Mario. Number 3, Wing Commander. Number 4, The Last Starfighter. Number 5, Street Fighter. Number 6, Mortal Kombat. Number seven, Double Dragon. Number eight, uh, Tron. (laughs) And number nine, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. So the movies that we're going to add to that list are in chronological order are Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, House of the Dead, Doom, and Max Payne. So one question. Does the previous list have to stay in the exact order that it was? Oh, yeah. They're locked in for all time. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we had that set so that there couldn't be some shenanigans where something gets elevated or dropped or no anything. there will be no bargaining with street fighter 
Street Fighter is forever locked in between the last fi- Starfighter and Mortal Kombat. That's fine. That's fine. So let's start by picking the worst of the movies that we watched in this year. And to me, it's clear. And then where it fits in that list of the previous games. So where does Max Payne fit amongst the other movies on the list? Uh, well, we have to talk about House of the Dead first. Um, but Max Payne was the worst. No. Max Payne was bad, but it was not the worst. It was it was second worst behind House of the Dead is by far the worst. The redeeming quality of Max Payne was that it had some cool shots. Yes. And that's like the high of the film. House of the Dead had some weird, wonky, fun moments. Yeah. So House of the Dead, the redeeming factor of House of the Dead was it was so bad that it like made you crazy and then like the movie. It's like, <laughs> this is like the example of Stockholm Syndrome is basically what liking House <laughs> of the Dead is. It's just like, I'm locked in here. I'm just going to like enjoy it because this movie has to have my attention for an hour and a half. I think that's a really good point right there. <laughs> It's beaten me senseless. (laughs) I might as well like it. Liberty at least is interesting looking. Oh yeah, no, I no, she's interesting acting. No, I meant like just the aesthetic is wonky. If that was anything other than like an Asian girl with pigtails in a spandex American flag onesie. Like, she wouldn't have been nearly as interesting. So it was like the character design ended up putting that character over the edge. You also have the super fast swimming zombies. There's the harbor master who's chasing the smuggler out to sea. It ends up saving, trying to save all the kids on the island. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in that film. You're not going to convince us, Tom. I know, but I'm trying so hard. It was a valiant effort. <sighs> all right, so you guys are wrong. Let it Let it be stated. House of the Dead is not the worst film that we watched, but two versus one. Uh, so we slide it right above Street Fighter then, in between Street Fighter and The Last Starfighter? No. So let's 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 start with how this needs to be. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is definitely number 14. Agreed. Even though well. I've said House of the Dead is the worst movie of all time, comparing it to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, that is not the case. Yep, I did the same thing. I was like... At least House of the Dead was a finished movie. Like, it was yes, a bad movie. That, that was yes. exactly like, my point when I was doing this. It was like, <laughs> Mortal Kombat Annihilation was so bad, even they didn't want to finish it. <laughs> That's how bad it was. <laughs> Let's just shove it out. They'll still go. And uh, honest, I'm going to pull the executive card here. I am not putting House of the Dead below Tron. I am not putting House of the Dead below Tron. So it's hard because Tron is definitely much more iconic, much more well-known. It actually spawned sequels that were better than it. I mean, Um, we haven't watched the House of the Dead sequels. Maybe House of the Dead has too. I'm pretty sure I've seen House of the Dead too, and it is like equally as bad. I'm going to have to check that out. Liberty. <laughs> oh, yeah, she died. Yeah, she died. Spoiler. Sorry, guys. She Spoiler. come back as a zombie. <laughs> she could. Yeah, evidently, <laughs> evidently, somehow rain comes back. According to Tom, which I don't. I don't remember. I've seen. I, I've seen. I've seen a lot of the other Resident Evil movies, and I don't remember her in any of those movies. Um, but did we all hated Tron? Like we hated the physical act of watching Tron. Um, like I even fell asleep during that movie. It's the only movie out of these fourteen that I didn't actually see the ending of um i mean it's a good thing because the ending is my probably the worst part so i i in all seriousness i believe that house of the dead 
belongs above Tron. I don't I don't want to put it above Double Dragon, so I think this is where it lives. I think uh I believe that Tron should be number thirteen and that well, I think that Max Payne should be next, but House of the Dead should be twelve. I, I can go with that. I'll let you have a small victory, Tom. I don't necessarily feel good about it, but I'll live with it. Well, good. I don't care enough about Tron to really fight for it <laughs> to be above House of the Dead. You're not going to die on the hill for Tron. No, so, no. so far, our updated rankings: number fourteen, Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the worst video game movie. Number thirteen, Tron. Tron. Number twelve, House of the Dead. Um. So, what is the next game out of the or the next movie out of the two thousands that we'd put at the bottom of the list? Yeah, Max Payne. Max Payne. Yeah. All right, we're unanimous there. Then finding out where it goes in the main list. Next up would be Double Dragon. Uh, better or worse film than Double Dragon. The next reading the next few up the list, Double Dragon, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter. Like It's weird. So like Double Dragon was more fun to watch than Max Payne was. And it had some really strong world building in the beginning. I like yeah. Double Dragon. I thought Double Dragon was fun. Yeah. I thought you guys kind of sandbagged it last year. Uh, so I definitely want Double Dragon to be higher than Max Payne, but this isn't really a hill that I'm ready to die on either. I would be fine with putting Max Payne next. Uh, I, I don't. I remember Double Dragon more fondly, and maybe that's just the nostalgia of last year trumping like the fact that I watched Max Payne very recently. So, but yeah, I. I wasn't bored by the end of Double Dragon like I was Max Payne, I don't think, anyway. I don't remember being bored by it. I actually had Max Payne higher. I had Max Payne above... Well, the first time I did this list, I had it right below Mortal Kombat, right above Double Dragon. The second time I redid my list because I forgot my original list at work, so I thought through it again. (laughs) I actually had Max Payne above Mortal Kombat. So... Interesting. (sighs) Uh, I mean, boy, I, these movies are all like on the same pain. Yes. And like Double Dragon, I don't know why that struck me so much. I think just the interesting world that they created for um, Los Angeles really grabbed me. But I thought Mortal Kombat was fine. I did not like Street Fighter, but you guys got me two to one on that one. Yeah. Um, so I think anywhere right in this order is fine. I think double. I think we're too low on Double Dragon, but wherever Max Payne. <laughs> fits in between I'm, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Double Dragon is fine. I'm fine with Max Payne next and then Double Dragon. I'm not well, maybe to... then Double Dragon. We'll talk. But I think Max Payne next is solid. So right above Tron at 11? Yep. Yeah. Uh, no, right above House of the Dead at 11. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tron's yeah, yeah. 13. Tron's 13. Yep. yep. Then we have three movies left from the 2000s, Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, and Doom. Out of those three, Casey, which would you think is the next worst film for us to slide into the rankings? I would have to go with Doom on that one. I'm with you, Burns. I'm on Tomb Raider, which is probably not surprising. Yeah, and I mean, like for me, Tomb Raider, Resident Evil were like kind of neck and neck. I like them both. Uh, I just like Doom a bit less. How how strongly do you feel on that, Burns? Like, did you think that Doom was good and you hated Tomb Raider with a burning fiery passion, or is it a little more nuanced? Well, so I I feel like. I feel like Tomb Raider just got dull at points and I think it missed like the main premise of the series that it was trying to mimic. Um, Whereas I think Doom captured that um, directly in some instances Um, and it was more interesting to watch from start to finish. There wasn't really 
There weren't really many lulls. It was like interesting to see how everything developed. There was lots of action kind of interspersed throughout, whereas it felt like Tomb Raider, the only real interesting things were the action sequences, and a lot of the other stuff was just pretty mediocre acting. Um, and not like good mediocre acting, like I would say a lot of the Space Marines had in Doom. Um, but just like, I don't know, shipping it in for a uh, payday kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. That That's where I stand on it, though. But I'm not necessarily... I don't really care enough about either of the movies to really fight strongly either way. And my argument for Tomb Raider is the strong female protagonist. I liked... Uh, Angelina Jolie, I liked her physicality. I liked a lot of the action sequences. Oh, of course you liked her physicality. Uh, I like Zeke. Is that the word you're looking for? Oh, yeah. I just butcher every word. Uh, I thought she had some good one-liners. I didn't think that the antagonists were as strong, but I liked the team of good guys. I like Laura and her cronies. Casey, did Burns sway you with his opinion, or why do you uh, stump for Tomb Raider being higher on the list? I, mean, I have Tomb Raider like pretty, pretty high, so... Ranking it down low would be, I don't know, kind of a kick in the nuts to my list here. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, Sir, well, where uh, where on the overall list are we going to slide these movies in? If we're talking about similar mm-hmm. level of quality for these, like I assume that they're going to go above Double Dragon. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'd slate Double Dragon in at 10 probably. I assume also that they'll go above Mortal Kombat, all three of these films. Yep, I'm um, all three. Burns, you can't think that Mortal Kombat is better than Tomb Raider. I'd rather watch Mortal Kombat again than Tomb Raider. Wow. I, I honestly would. I am so surprised that you hate this movie with a burning fiery passion. I don't hate it with a burning... It's just, it's, just, it's just blah. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Like, it, it's just not as interesting as a lot of other things. It, I mean, it... It would make me feel a little nauseous to put Tomb Raider below Street Fighter. I think it's a much better film than the last Starfighter and Wing Commander. So, like, man, we uh, we are at somewhat of an inflection point here. I have the rest of the three movies in our 2000s in my top five. (laughs) Yeah. I I would put the other two up there. Um but not necessarily Tomb Raider. But I'm already willing to concede that you guys like Tomb Raider better than Doom. So it would be Doom would be the next movie. So if we're looking at it that way, I would rather watch Doom than Mortal Kombat again. So we could do Mortal Kombat at nine. Um, I would rather watch Doom than Street Fighter. Agreed wholeheartedly. So Street Fighter at eight. Um... I would rather watch Doom than The Last Starfighter. I would probably watch rather watch Doom than Wing Commander. Like yes. Tomb Raider would have been probably after would have been between Double Dragon and Mortal Kombat for me, but Well, you just capitulated a lot, Burns, and we'll recap the list real quick here. So 14, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Number 13, Tron. Number 12, House of the Dead. 11, Max Payne. 10, Double Dragon, 9, Mortal Kombat, 8, Street Fighter, 7, Last Starfighter, 6, Wing Commander, um, and given how much you were willing to move up on uh, Tomb Raider, I'm fine signing it down to number 5. I mean, I'm fine with that as long as Casey's fine with that. Casey, do you think we're crazy? I think Doom should go 5. Because we both have it below. Like, we're making, I mean... 
I agree with everything that he said. Like I think all these movies are in in the top five, and what he's I think what he's saying, like well, he had Doom or uh, I would have Tomb Raider a lot I lower. I would have had the other two movies ahead of in the top five. Right. I would not have had Tomb Raider in the top. And, five. Uh, but and I still think it's fair to put Doom at. Personally, I think Doom would be five. <laughs> and I'm going to say that Burns flipped me. Uh, I will go Tomb Raider at five. Um, in the spirit of cooperation. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very Tom, Tom-esque thing to do. The spirit of cooperation. Well, I mean, we could have been bogged down at number 10 for 30 minutes nitpicking between Mortal Kombat, Doom, and Tomb Raider with none of us giving an inch. Right. Burns, you gave, so now I'm giving a little bit. I agree. I, I, I appreciate that, Tom. So we have Tomb Raider at number five. The four films that we have left are War Games, Super Mario, Resident Evil and Doom. So, I mean, I'm fine with putting right. Doom next if you guys agree with that. Unless you really think Doom should be ahead of Super Mario. Well, I had it below Super Mario. I had Doom at five, and then I had Super Mario at four. So, Super Mario next, I think, would be the consensus? No, well, I think Doom, no, Doom, I think Doom, Doom would go, sorry, that's yeah, that's, Doom okay. would go four. And then... Super Mario, for me, would be then at three. And I'm with you. Bernsey, any dissent? Nope. So recapping just the last couple, number six, Wing Commander, number five, Tomb Raider, number four, Doom, number two, Super Mario. So our choices for number two and number one, War Games or Resident Evil. Yeah, and I think Resident Evil is for sure two, and then War Games is one for me. Casey? That's what I have, except I had Tomb Raider number two, (laughs) but then I had it very close behind Resident Evil, so I'm... I still think War Games is one, even though it's technically more a movie about video games than a video game movie. I mean, we had to do something for the 80s movies. Yeah. It was pretty slim pickings there. Well, interesting. That wasn't as heated as I thought that it might get at some points. Um, A quick rundown of the list one more time. Number 14, the worst video game movie that we've reviewed over three years of this episode, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. It's going to be hard to beat that, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, and like as movies and technology gets better, like I I don't (laughs) think anything will ever unseat that. Number 13, Tron. Number 12, you guys are wrong, but House of the Dead. (laughs) 11, Max Payne. Number 10, Double Dragon. Number 9, Mortal Kombat. Number 8, Street Fighter. Ugh. Number seven, The Last Starfighter. Number six, Wing Commander. Ugh. <laughs> Number five, Tomb Raider. Ugh. Since we're all doing the yucks. Get your own thing, Sounds guys. Like we've all given and taken at some point in time in this. Number four. Tom's definitely taken. <laughs> I'm the star of the show. Everyone's supposed to be nice to me. Number four, Doom. Number three, Super Mario. Number two, Resident Evil. Number one, War Games. Looking at those 14 films, is there anything that surprises you guys? Like, one thing that I noticed in this decade of movies, like, technology has come so far from the previous decade. Like, I thought all of these movies were generally better than most of the movies that we had watched in the past. Yeah, I would. Like, graphically, yes. Yeah, and I think it goes to show, because I had three of those, three of the five movies we watched in the top five. So I think it is... Not only, yeah, graphically, but, like, actors wanting to be in 
these movies, you know, like how many of these casts were what you would say a list actors, you mm-hmm. know. Like, and I wonder if that is a byproduct of an affinity for the medium wanting to be in a video game movie, or if it all comes down to the Benjamins. Like, mm-hmm. how do movies get financed? Like, where did uh, Max Payne get the money for their super A list cast? Yeah, I don't know. So here's a quick trivia question for you guys. Which of the five movies we watched lost money? All of them made money uh, at the total gross of everything except for one. Which one of the five lost money? Well, since you said that Tomb Raider was a $100 million budget, I would guess it was probably that one. No. Tomb I'm going to guess... made $225 million. Really? Yeah. Holy crap. Tomb Raider, I believe, is probably the reason why so many of these other video game movies got made. And it probably was a lot because of the star power of Angelina Jolie. And I'm sure Resident Evil made money. And we know that House of the Dead made money. So either Doom or Max Payne failed to make money. I'm going to guess that it was Doom. That is correct. Doom had a budget of $60 million and only made back $57 million. Huh. Interesting. In the name of the king, the lowest grossing video game movie of all time, I think the budget was 20 and they made 5 back. <laughs> <laughs> That, I mean, it honestly wasn't that bad a film. Like, I liked it better than a lot of the movies on this list. I would put it. Uh, Jason Statham's a badass. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it likes about to kick eight. stuff. <laughs> uh, wrong movie. That was in the name of the king. Isn't that what you were just talking about? No, I was talking about Alone in the Dark with you Christian Slater. No, you said it was the name of the king. Oh god, yeah. no! All that, all of that was Alone in the Dark. Okay, okay. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. I feel like because we're okay, so. We're moving to the 20-teens next? Correct. Not revisiting the 2000s yet? Okay. Nope, we're going to do the next decade. We'll probably do a similar format. Five-ish movies seems like a pretty manageable number. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of these are probably going to be very top-loaded on our final list. Like, in the top five, easy. Top three, maybe. Which they should be, because for the reasons we've already discussed. Like, it was always better. The movies are just getting better, you yeah. know, like, as we go on. Everything is higher budget and hopefully usually that means a better movie and i think also to some extent as movies have become more popular for a longer period of time i do feel like people are being in these movies because they like either the source material or video games in general and then they want to make something better because of that um i'm sure there's still going to be some clunkers that we will watch um but uh but yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. There's and I I have a hard time remembering what came out like 2018, 2019 and what was like 2020. Um but there's some there's some bangers, I think. Like Sonic was right around yep. that time and Detective Pikachu was yep, right around there similar. too. I'm pretty sure they were both pre-pandemic, but I can't remember for sure. So, so yeah, I don't know. There's some really good video game movies that'll be coming up, so I'm excited to see what we uh, end up playing or watching next year. There are also some Blood Rain movies, <laughs> and like I love to bang on Blood Rain. <laughs> uh, the first movie you is really would love to bang on Blood Rain, right? Uh, depends on which actress specifically you're talking about but like the first movie tries to be like this fantasy epic like it's uh rain is trying to stop ben kingsley is in the first movie ben kingsley is the sir, main antagonist sir, sir ben, ben kingsley, kingsley. In a Bull movie. <laughs> yeah and oh. and it tries to be like this big fantasy uh dude from reservoir dogs that you guys both like michael madsen oh, okay yeah. he is one of the main characters michelle rodriguez is in it uh pretty good cast 
terrible movie. It tries to be this fantasy epic. So I've... and the the main the Blood Rain is in that one is she the the gal that was Terminator in Terminator Three. I know she's Blood Rain at one. Christina Loken. She's Blood Rain in one of the Blood Rain movies, but uh, I don't know which is one. Is she blonde and busty? Well, the, but aren't blonde. all of them? No, the second one is, uh, I don't remember what uh, color her hair is, but she was very, very, very lean. Oh, really? Like, all three of the Blood Rains have very different physiques, which is kind of interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it must be the first one then. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was the question? Was she the Terminator? Yeah, she was yeah. the Terminator. Yeah, all right. Uh, it was. She was fine in it. The movie wasn't very good. The second Blood Rain is a western, completely different tone. Like she gathers a posse, hunts down Billy the Kid, who's a vampire. Third, <laughs> yeah, it's just as weird as it sounds. And the third movie, like, uh, it's she's battling Nazis, and it's just it's fascinating how like different each one of those films feels third one from the opening 15 minutes is much higher production value than the other films but it's just three different actresses playing blood rain three wildly different eras it's like wow they're doing a lot with are the uh, games like that no the games well the games are kind of bad they were mostly known for having like sex appeal and they were pretty i don't know i don't want to put like words in any mouths or anything but i think they were they weren't regarded as very good games in general, which is always interesting when they then become movies. Yeah, well, I mean, they nailed the sex appeal part in at least the first film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's funny that there's so many of these films now, because like three movies the first time we did the show, I think uh, six movies the second time. Now we pared it down to five when there were more than a dozen that we could have watched. Yeah. So uh, it's interesting to watch the medium evolve. You guys have any final thoughts on video game movies before we wrap it up? No, I mean... It's cool that they're getting better, because, like, Tron was terrible. <laughs> Tron was... Yeah. That was one of those other ones I couldn't get through in one sitting. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I'm excited for moving forward, and, uh, like, especially trying to plumb the depths of some things that maybe I, I haven't seen or that you guys haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen any movies, so it's perfect. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, next month, Joey and Adam will be here for our annual New Year New Games show where we're going to talk about board games specifically that are coming out in the new year. There will probably be some video game talk in it too, uh, but I've kickstarted a couple of things this year that will be coming next year. And What? I know, it's wild. and Yeah, I'm like a real gamer. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Outside is Overrated. Please review us on your favorite podcast platform and consider supporting our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash OIO. For Casey at Dr. Underscore Casey. Is that your correct handle, my friend? Uh, yeah. Awesome. And for Joey at HobbyBoxBurns and Twitch.tv slash HobbyBoxBurns, I'm Tom Sidlachik at Tom Sidlachik OIO. We'll talk to you next month. Stay inside, kids. Are very distracting. Hello and welcome to Outside is Overrated. <clears throat> I'll take the penis mightier, please. <laughs> Ted Ferguson's funny name. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, you got me loose. Good job, Burns. Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, just a rum soaked nipple and a little uh, Sean Connery impersonation, and we're good to go. You were, you were too tight to start with. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, not adding anything to that. <laughs>